Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we are entering the second part of our Life is Strange discussion. Uh, this second part is going to cover episodes three and four. Um, I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. Uh, we got uh, Dante. What's good? We got Trevor. What's going on? And last but not least, we have Greg. What up? All right. So, um, like I said, we're picking up episode three, but just kind of like a warning ahead of time. Uh, spoilers. You know, we're going to talk about story stuff. Just go ahead and get that out the way. But um, at the end of episode two, it's where you have the the very end is the Kate saga and whether she lives or dies and you have the meeting in the principal's office. And at that point, you can kind of choose who you want to put the blame on. So that's really what happens at the end of episode two. And I think the where we were standing were me, Dante, and Trevor and our playthroughs, Kate lived, and then Greg, she died. And then, if I'm not mistaken, me and Greg blamed Nathan, Trevor blamed David, and Dante blamed uh, Mr. Jefferson. Is that is that sound correct? Yep. Yep. All right, cool. Um, so, yeah, going into episode three, um, this is like the day after um, all that stuff happens, and you're being hailed as a hero. You wake up... Um, I think you believe you get some texts from your family members, your parents, and uh, some. Uh, you, I think you are in the newspaper or something like that. Um, but uh, at this point, I think you are you've resolved the Kate saga, and now you're trying to figure out the mysteriousness and uh, Rachel's disappearance. So um, I think uh, at that point, you uh, decide to sneak into school with Chloe. And uh, you guys um, sneak in overnight uh, when the school is shut down and you sneak into the principal's office. So you have to, one, you have to figure out a way to get into the principal's office. So there's a whole like way around doing that involving uh, Max's time mechanics. But then you get into the principal's office and you just find dirt on everybody. You find dirt on um, uh Nathan, you find dirt on um, some, uh, really, you find some dirt on uh, Chloe and kind of figure out, you know, her student records and why she got kicked out of school. And you can kind of look at yourself. You can look at um, Warren. Uh, and I think it's at this point, um, while you're snooping in the principal's office, you kind of uncover he has like a drinking habit, uh, which I think was shown earlier, but you can kind of see he has liquor in his office. But then you find a envelope of money and it's at this point that uh i think chloe is like begging she's like hey this could really help out in my debt that i owe uh frank the shady drug dealer um so uh you were i think the first big option the first big um choice in the game is whether you want to take the money or not and uh where'd you guys land on that decision um i didn't take the money i did (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that random jewel. Everybody did. I didn't take the money. Okay. All right. So, I mean, literally, it's a handicapped fund. You guys are monsters. Yeah. No, all right. So straight like, up, the way the 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 reason behind my decision was because 
Chloe, this could get her out of being in a bad spot with um, with Frank, and she's already had a lot of and this is too because I don't really like the character Chloe. Like I don't like her character, but I she like her more than handicapped people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, to me, it was just like, hey, I can get her out this bad spot, and then like she can have some good in her life. This is my quote unquote, you know, BFF. So let me go ahead and throw her. 3,000 bones, and um, let me go ahead and let her take this money so she can just pay off her debt and then get on with her life. So that that was my thought process around it. I didn't think about the handicapped students uh, that aren't present in the game, but, you know, I didn't think about them. So uh, I'm guessing you were along the same lines, Trevor? Yeah, that, and I don't remember seeing any handicapped people in this game. That's why I was like, I'm taking this money. And then, like, even out of sight, out it, of mind. <laughs> even, I mean, even after you take it, she says that, you know, that money could get Frank to help um, them determine what happened to Rachel. So, yeah, and that was also like, really, like, it's like a if I get the money, that's one step closer to wrapping up this thing, so I don't have to deal with Chloe anymore. <laughs> I just I just don't like Chloe, so it was just like, man, I can't I can't do this. Like you're already like in a messed up situation. It's kind of your fault anyway, so I don't really want to help you on that. Yeah, and then like I low key immediately regretted the decision, though I did not rewind because after we leave, she's like, let's leave and then let's go to the swimming pool together for some late night teen scandalous swimming. And I just kind of like damn, like, why did I give you the money? Because I don't want to do this. We just, you know, <laughs> we just did all this stuff and now you want to relax and, you know, try to do this. And I just don't want to do it. The weirdest part about that for me was the fact that, like, in my playthrough, uh, Kate died. And I'm like, okay, so this literally just happened. And you guys are like, oh, let's go swimming now. Like, like nobody's just going to kind of think about oh, this for yeah. a second. I didn't like, even think about that. <laughs> it, it was a little odd, at least for me. What do you guys think of the puzzle leading into the principal's office? Honestly, oh, where you had to make the uh, that pipe bomb or whatever. Yeah, the makeshift pipe bomb. Oh yeah, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's kind of cool because like there are instances in this game where you do like the 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 tried and true like go collect these items and then you make this thing. But like I feel like they have like one per or one in the entire game where I feel like in other games you'd run into like one each episode. So I like that they don't really rely on like those type of fetch stuff in order to progress in the story. Like if it was a telltale game, you would have done at least like five of those. each Exactly. Episode. Exactly. Where it's, you know, like, or you have like multiple items in your inventory that you just randomly have there for, you know, who knows for how long. So I, I appreciate that, and I don't know, it was kind of you know, weird, like, flirty text conversation with Warren that was kind of like, yo, dude, how do you make a bomb? But I'm just wondering, you know, just because I, I don't actually, you know, need this information right now or anything like that. Asking for a friend. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so then, you know, you, you break into the swimming pool, and um, you are getting close with Chloe or whatever. And then uh, the uh, school security guards 
you know, they realize that somebody's broken in and then you got to escape and uh, you get out eventually and you meet up with Chloe and like the, the weird thing, you meet up with Chloe in the parking lot and then you guys like hightail it out of the parking lot, like burning rubber. And it's so weird because it's like Chloe's car is like super distinguishable, you know, like it's a super, yes. Well, not only that, but it's like a super beat up clunker pickup truck. That's like rusted out and has a whole bunch of like stickers and stuff inside of it. So it's kind of like, yeah, we didn't necessarily catch you that night, but your car is the only one, like, you know, we recognize your car on campus. So I don't know. It was just kind of we. I guess maybe because she doesn't go to the school enough either that maybe they didn't, but that I thought that was kind of silly because it's kind of like, just imagine, like, all the security guards. If David, like, in your guys' playthrough, David did work at the school, he's fired in my game, but then they're like, yeah, dude, this, this beat-up brown pickup truck was, you know, hightailed it out of the parking lot and then he's thinking like oh that's my stepdaughter well like, i mean they they kind of touch on that later like joyce calls you out on it directly yeah but i mean it's via well it's via text <laughs> no she did it in person in my game oh she didn't oh i haven't really seen joyce so uh, well whatever um just a random aside but um yeah so you uh you know, get back to Chloe his place, fall asleep, wake up, and um, I think uh, your clothes still smell like pool chlorine or whatever. So you try on. She has some old uh, pair of um, what's her name, uh, Rachel's clothes, and uh, so you're kind of like basically living out probably Chloe's fantasies, like her two best friends. <laughs> And then at that time, she finally, you know, makes her move. And she's like, in a jokingly fashion, she's like, you're not even brave. I bet you won't even kiss me right now. And uh, you get to make the decision. This is the second decision in the episode. It's like, do you kiss Chloe or do you not? And, like, it's under the pretense of being like, you're doing it because she dared you, not because you actually feel this way, right? But um, what did you guys end up doing? Anybody? I was playing. I was playing the game like Mass Effect, so of course I was going for the relationship. Yeah, I, I chose to uh, try and kiss her. So, in inverse of Trevor, my first playthrough, I felt like I was trying to ship with Warren, so I didn't. This time, I decided to kiss Chloe. Well, I'm trying to ship with Warren, so I did not kiss Chloe. And I, I actually appreciate the fact that she didn't take it like badly, you know, she kind of was like, Oh, see, you are a chicken or whatever. And it, it kind of like, it didn't hurt her feelings, but I'm interested to know if you did kiss her did, like that, not necessarily at that moment lead to anything more, but did like, was it no, played off as a joke? Kind of. She, she's like taken aback by it. She's surprised that you actually did it, but she's just like, wow, you're hardcore. So either way, it doesn't necessarily lead to anything in the moment. I'm, I'm interested to know if maybe later on that could potentially lead to something. Um, I think at that point, then, uh, whether you kissed her or not, you're like, all right, well, we got to go downstairs. Uh, you know, you're going to get some breakfast. Her mom is apparently home still. She hadn't gone to the diner yet, so she's making breakfast, so... You kind of go downstairs and you get to explore a little bit. And then uh, I think you see like the um, 
I think at this point, like, at so far in the game, uh, you've had uh, the vision of the tornado in the very beginning. So in the first episode is um, then what's the uh, what's the freak? The snow. The snow happened in the in the uh, first episode. The second episode is the random eclipse. This third episode, you can kind of now see nature being affected by this random happenings and you see a lot of dead birds in the lawn uh the backyard of chloe at chloe's house so there's like i think there was four or five dead birds around her, her backyard and um that's a very bad omen um and uh something to make note of uh and then you get to basically i mean you're you, you get down there i think uh chloe stays upstairs and smoke some wake and bake before she goes downstairs. And uh, you get to have a conversation with Chloe's mom, Joyce. And um, this is another decision you make. Do you guys choose the pancakes or the eggs and bacon? You know, I had to choose eggs and bacon. Pancakes. <laughs> Bruh. Yeah, I don't, do, I don't do pork, so I don't want pancakes. <laughs> I honestly forget. Oh man, whatever. But actually, at this point, you have a good conversation with Joyce, and this really fleshes out Joyce's character. And I actually wrote down Joyce uh, is so cool. Like, I think she's like the. Um, I mean, it's kind of stereotypical, but she's you know she's the the mom with the rebellious daughter, and like they, I get the sense that at some point you know they used to get along so well, but some things happen, some some breaks happen, and, and Chloe is kind of taking it out unfairly in my opinion on her mom in some instances but she just seems super cool she's super patient and super like she understands that chloe is going through this these emotions in this phase but she's just kind of like letting it play out you know but why is she with david though well i mean she kind of says that uh david uh like i don't know dude because i kind of feel like she doesn't see David in this she doesn't see David in the same way that you as students do but I, I feel like he reveals a different side of himself to her than he does to you know people at his job and um I don't know it, it's kind of clear that in my opinion at least that David um suffers from some type of PTSD and I can I think she kind of acknowledges that and um she's able to kind of understand him in a way that Chloe definitely can't, and Max can't. Yeah, and I mean, like, they, I mean, she used to see him on the regular when she worked at a diner, you know? So she definitely has seen different sides of him outside of his work-school relationship, too, or, you know, being a secondary father, you know, the stepfather to to, um, Chloe. So I don't know. Her relationship is just different. And then, so, like, Chloe comes downstairs and immediately she gives Joyce crap and she's just being the rebellious teen that she is. And I believe David, at that point, David comes in and he, I'm assuming just heard news uh, about the, uh, the break-in on school. And um, he's kind of coming at Chloe about some things. And there's a big family fight that you're, somehow in the middle of and it, well, it, so, it, sorry there's one thing um before all that happens chloe intentionally like stalls with joyce so you can kind of go into david's computer again 
and you're getting some information at that time. That's right. That's right. Because you're, I think, at that point, you're trying to figure out what he was doing with Kate, right? Like why yeah. he was, yeah, the info in Kate. relation to Kate. So yeah, you you get a little bit additional information, and then you come out, and David is there, and there's a big family fight, and at that point, you get to choose sides. Uh, you have to choose between siding with David or siding with Chloe, and this is what I had written down. Uh, I sided with David for Joyce's sake, but I watched the other way, and David started this like women, all you women stick together BS. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, man. Like I I really wanted to side with David because I don't, I think there's more to him than meets the eye. And I know that at this point I was, I was making that decision off for Joyce and not for Chloe. But when he started that, um, then I was just like, yo man, you're, you're, you're digging yourself a big hole. And then also like, when you don't side with Joey or when you don't, when you side with Chloe, um, Joyce tells Chloe to shut up, which I felt super hard. Like (laughs) I was like, yo, like not only did Joyce, you know, she, she kind of sided with you or understood why you made the decision you made, but she kind of, you know, bucked back at, at uh, Chloe when you sided with Chloe. So I was like, okay, well, I appreciate that. So I ended up ultimately siding with Chloe, even though I really wanted to side with David. Um, I ended up siding with uh, Chloe on it. And I felt like that, that like after you kind of go through his computer and see like some of the stuff he was keeping record of and stuff like that, I was like, all right, this dude's still kind of sketch. So I don't really want to try and defend him. And then something like he actually turned out to be like, you know, pretty messed up dude. So I was like, I'll go ahead and try and side with Chloe on this. Yeah, I almost felt like this was a non-decision in Chloe's favor. I, I guess everybody side with Chloe then. Yeah, I think that's our first like unanimous decision, and like I, I really wish I had, like like I said, man, like I shouldn't have went back on my decision. I should have just stuck with it. But that's one of the things I like about this game is you can kind of see how both ways play out, and it kind of turned me off what David said when you sided when you sided against him, and I was just like this is like your true colors, you know, like your real characters. So do you remember in specific what they were calling him out on? Um, so I believe it had to do with, if you saw it with Chloe, you uh, as Max bring up the fact that he's been surveillancing Kate and he has creepy or, you know, like these weird pictures of, of the girl who committed, like attempted to commit suicide. And I actually would be interested to know how it played out. If Kate actually died, you know, like, um, and like if Greg's playthrough, if he had sided with David, I'm kind of like wondering what, I don't know. There's like a lot of weird ways this could play out. Like if you got David fired, but you sided with him or, you know, and, and so a lot of weird things that I would like to see how they had played out. Oh like, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like if, um, if I had side, I guess if, well, hold up. All right. What was the scenario you're talking about again? So, you know, when you're in the principal's office and you get to choose between blaming Mr. Jefferson, Nathan, or David, what if you pick David as the, the culprit so he gets fired, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you side with him in this argument, despite seeing the evidence, you know, so despite seeing him tracking Kate. Um, I wonder how that would play off. Like, would he feel a different way about you? Because ultimately, 
I don't know what happens when you pick David because when you don't, when you side with Chloe, David gets kicked out the house. Basically, he's like, Joyce is like, yeah, you can't stay here. So he ends up, you know, getting a hotel and packing his bags and all that stuff. And I, I'm interested to find out, like, what would have happened if he was jobless but still at the house. Or, you know, if he still had his job and was still at the house, like, how, how things would have played out. I got you. So, yeah, I guess that was that was the first decision that we all, like, you know, unanimous. That was our first unanimous decision. But um, uh, let's see, right after that... Um. Oh, and actually, th- this was another interesting thing that I, I noticed because it, it kind of led me to the reason why I, I made this decision based off how Joyce was feeling than how Chloe was feeling was because no matter which decision you make, because I, I, like I said, I watched both of them, Max's response always mentioned Joyce's feelings instead of Chloe. So no matter if you sided with David or Chloe, or Chloe Max mentioned Joyce. She was like, oh, I wonder how this will make Joyce feel. And that That's what she was preoccupied with, th- th- no matter what decision you make, which I thought was super interesting, because um, I was totally making a decision be- based off of Joyce, and, like, Chloe was an afterthought for that decision. I was actually kind of fed up with her when she tried to seduce me. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the relationship between Max and Joyce is one of those where, like, you know, when you're kids and either you or your friend is like your friend is always over at your house and your parents kind of treat them like one of their children. Yeah, it's like she's basically like her second mom. Her mom yeah. will come home, you know? Like, so, yeah, like definitely. So, like, I, I, that's why I completely like I really like her as a character. I, like, she's not necessarily anything revolutionary. Like, she's like a you, you see her type of character in a lot of media, but like hey, this is like my first time getting to directly influence and, you know, talk with this type of character. So I want to make sure that she's on my good side and I'm on her good side, you know? Yeah, this is actually the point where, um, like, right when you walk down the stairs, that's when you have that conversation with Joyce. And she's like, I know you guys were at the school last night and I was expecting you to be a better influence for Chloe. That's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, So, yeah, you... uh. You have that, make that decision, and then I believe after that, uh, Chloe is taking you to campus. She's driving you in the truck, and um, no, no, no. You actually you go to the diner, don't you? You go to the RV yeah. of the diner. Yeah, because you you wanna you wanna talk with Frank and and see what he knows about Rachel's disappearance. So um, you see his his RVs outside. Um, and I think at that point, Chloe is looking for a way to break in and, or she maybe made a bet with you or something about how you're going to be able to get Frank's keys without him knowing it. So then you go inside and, um, Frank is eating some beans. (laughs) (laughs) Frank is sitting at the diner eating beans and you kind of talk to him and he's very standoffish and you basically have to talk to him and figure out a way to finagle the keys from him. It's almost like a conversation puzzle on this one where it's like you, you get a little information from Frank and then you have to go talk to other people in a diner. Uh, Nathan's in the diner, a police officer's in the diner. um, And you just kind of have to jump between the three of them and get tidbit of information. Then cross check that information with somebody else. Then rewind, you know, talk to this person again and, I, honestly, this was like 
I didn't really care for this part. Yeah, I didn't care for it either because it felt like you were forced to rewind. Did anybody else like feel that well, same I mean, way? I feel like that was that's a lot of situations in the I, I I yeah. I agree. I agree with you're you. manipulative with I, your time power. I agree with Dante, but I also understand where Trevor's coming from, and I 100% agree with him as well. Because it's like, yeah, like every puzzle you have to rewind, yes. But I feel like in this one specifically, it was like almost not necessarily to the detriment, but it was just kind of like, hey, like you're going to just have to do this. You're going to have to talk to this person like four times. And that's like, the part I didn't like. When I was talking to people, every time I finished a conversation with them, it ended with, oh, I guess I shouldn't have said that to them, or I guess I should have said something else. And so you have to rewind and, and find the right thing to say to them in order to get the right information. For me, it was like when you talk to somebody like like Nathan, like like especially in my playthrough, it's just super weird where like this is a kid that you basically blamed for a girl attempting to commit suicide, and he got kicked out of school. And you're having a conversation with him, and he's accidentally letting slip information, like accidentally. Like if that was me, like I'm not talking to. I'm not, no way. I'm not talking to you. I am not talking to you. But like he's like kind of blabbermouth, like oh, and yeah, like the you know those police officers did this. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And like it, it just wasn't like it didn't. It wasn't clean to me. This was a very like uh, I don't know. This was like my least favorite puzzle slash uh conversation section of the game it's like a convenient like situation for him to like spill that that at that you know given the current situation i guess but i feel like there's and i'm I'm trying to recall where but i feel like there's other situations like that in this game where it's like okay a normal person wouldn't have done this at all but as like a video game thing it's like well they kind of have to do this now yeah and i yeah that makes sense but to me it's just like why don't to bypass it all together, just put a different character there instead of it being Nathan, put somebody else there that also happens to buy drugs, oh, yeah. you know, cause like the, the, the whole reason you're, you're getting information from, uh, from Nathan, it has to do with Frank as a drug dealer. And then if you're basically getting information on Frank and then you get a little information from the, about the cops and it's good. It's been easily been like one of those skater dudes that, you know, also does drugs or one of the other vortex people that do drugs you know, personally, I like Nathan there though, because one, I feel like it fit his character just because how erratic that dude is, and they're just the entire time they've been painting him as like this highly unstable person that really doesn't really get what he's doing in like the moment. So I didn't think that was really strange for him to like. It might have been strange that he was even talking to um, Max in the first place, but. He's he's not the brightest tool in the shed, so him spilling information isn't really that much of like a shocker to me. And I only had to talk to him once too, so the part um, that I found strange was how he gave you instructions on how to talk to Frank to get drugs with a cop sitting about five feet away. Better than him pulling out a gun with a cop sitting five feet away. <laughs> yeah. I don't I think feel- I went down a different path, I guess, because I don't even remember talking about drugs with Nathan, to be honest. Oh, you totally had to talk to them about drugs. I think that's what opened up the initial dialogue. That's the initial dialogue. And then I I remember... I just talked about the dog the entire time. 
Oh, dude, we I talked about everything with that dude because then you had to go talk to the police officer about the Prescotts. Then you had to cross reference it back with Nathan. Then Nathan let something else spill. Then you could go talk to Frank. So there there was a lot of back and forth. My favorite my, my favorite part though was like when you go up to Frank and then you just like disrespect his plate of beans and then just pour it on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first thing I did when I walked in there was just pour a soda on him just to see what he was gonna do. Dude, that part was so funny. <laughs> Oh man, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I didn't think this. I didn't like this section, but I mean, uh, anyway, you get the information that you need to get, and you end up going into Frank's RV, and you find out uh, a little bit more about uh, his relationship with Rachel. And um, I think at this point, you find out that I think Chloe was under the assumption that Rachel and Frank were just like associates but i think you find photos that kind of say like no rachel not only had feeling like they were probably in a relationship but she had serious feelings for this guy and um at that point she just feels like super betrayed she's like super pissed off at rachel um teenage stuff and she kind of gets in a in a a hissy fit um did this make anybody think that like uh, maybe Rachel and Chloe had like some type of relationship. Oh, I mean, I, honestly, I felt that way from from jump when they talked about running away together to to uh, L.A. I was yeah. like, yeah. and I think at one point she calls her her angel. Yeah, yeah, she like, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I I, I kind of figured actually at one point too uh, earlier in the game, right? Uh, Max asked. Chloe about like you're interested in any boys or whatever and she kind of is like mm, there haven't been any catching my eye and I don't know it just kind of like she doesn't necessarily seem like she's interested in boys so I kind of just always figured that her and Rachel were were a thing I think That's you can actually the- ask her if her and Rachel were a thing and she was like yeah kind of at some point okay that makes sense I, I, I thought that was why and that was kind of why when she asked about the kiss, I was like, okay, all right. So this is probably, you know, it, it had to have been like her and Rachel had something going on. Yeah. And that's also another reason why I did want to kiss because I didn't want to lead her on because I'm, I'm, I'm going for Warren. <laughs> um, also, we kind of, we skipped one of the major choices. Yeah. I was going to, I, I just With realized. The dog? Yeah. So I think uh, one of the things while you're trying to get into the RV is to, I think, uh, Chloe is actually looking for like some type of meat or bone or something in the garbage for the dog when you open up the RV. So you open up the RV, the dog is, you know, barking or whatever, and you can tell Chloe to throw the bone into the parking lot or you can throw it into the street. And uh, what did you guys, mind you, I should say preface this by saying mind you, uh, in the diner you find out that Frank isn't 100% like a scumbag guy. He's a drug dealer. He deals with high school kids, but um, he's rescued a bunch of uh, dog fight dogs, or I don't even know dogs that were in dog fights. He's rescued them and and saved them. And his dog, uh, Pompadou uh, is a former uh, dog fighting dog. So he has a soft spot for animals. So what do you guys do? You guys throw the bone into the parking lot or into the street? Uh, I threw it in the parking lot because I figured as soon as you throw it in the street, he's done. 
I also threw it in the parking lot. First time I played this game, my first playthrough, I threw it in the street. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I I'm assuming he, the dog gets run over, right? Yeah, but um, but this playthrough, I threw it in the parking lot. Yeah, I threw it in the parking lot only because like, I, I figured we had Frank's money, and I didn't necessarily have to deal with him because his dog is also dead. Uh, but I did at first throw it into the, the street, not thinking uh, about it, and then immediately dog gets run over and I rewound it. <laughs> so, uh, and then even when I was in the RV, I tried to make it seem as though, like I tried not to leave any evidence. I tried to make it seem as though I was never there. <laughs> but yeah, the, um, I, I guess that's another unanimous decision. And we all, we all decided to save or, you know, keep the dog alive. Uh, and um, then did y'all notice, like after you throw it in the parking lot, Chloe says something like, We'll probably have to deal with the dog later or something like that, but he never poses a threat. No, I didn't even well, notice it. I mean, he does. You do have to deal with him later, well, just not this chapter. They made it seem immediate. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, but yeah, so you you find all this information about Frank and Rachel actually having a relationship, and this pretty much like crushes uh, Chloe and she starts, you know, being upset and pissed at Rachel that she hid this from her. I thought we were friends and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. So you, you, you get all the information you need and then you, you, you leave Frank's RV and then you, you hightail it out of there. And then just Chloe is just super pissed. She's like crying and emotional. And then you're driving to Chloe's house and you pass by the beach and you see, I believe three, maybe four huge whales beached onto the, the shore, I guess. So they're, they're dead and people are investigating it. And it's just another one of those, uh, the second part in this episode where animals are being affected by the weird changes that are happening right now and nobody can explain it. And um, you end up uh, at Chloe's house. She's still pissed off. And then you're kind of like, you know, monologuing in your head as uh, Matt, she's like, man, like, Chloe is so upset, you know, all these bad things, like, Chloe's just talking about how all these things are, how her life is the worst, and she's just being super emotional, and um, uh, what's that, Dante? So, there's one decision in the RV that we didn't talk about, it's the last major choice of the chapter, where, um, when you're investigating, you have the, um, or eventually you run across the gun that um, Frank took from you in chapter two or episode two. And you have the option of either keeping the gun or taking it back technically or leaving it with Frank. Oh, I, I actually, yeah, I remember that. Now I left it, uh, I left it in there. Yeah, I left the gun 100%. Figured he would realize that. You were in there if you took it, and then it was gonna like come back on you somehow. I I don't even remember that decision, despite having this information up. I, I don't remember that, but there's a chance that you don't find it. I guess I think it might well, be optional. I, but I had Chloe has David's gun. <laughs> I, I have the gun. We took the gun. I don't remember that decision. Yeah, the, yeah same, we, the same thing happened to me. I don't remember having to make that decision, but Chloe has the gun on my playthrough. Yeah. Weird. 
I, I, I probably made the decision, but it was like, it probably wasn't like a huge, like time pauses and you have to make a decision type of decision. Uh, it actually is really okay. Well, we took the yeah, gun back. I, I can imagine. I can imagine Chloe saying, "Well, I guess it's not stealing if you steal if you take something back, or you know, something like that." Wait, what were your decisions when um, you could either shoot Frank or or not shoot him? What decisions did y'all choose? Oh, um, in the junkyard, I chose to yeah. shoot him. I chose to shoot him. Yeah, I, I didn't shoot him. I didn't shoot. Okay, that might be why then. Because I think at the end of that scene, if you don't put the, um, if you try to shoot him and, you know, he sees that the gun is empty, he doesn't take it from you. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah, 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 that that's true. Yeah, he didn't take the gun from me. That's why I didn't have to make the decision. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because I was like, I don't remember having that decision at all. Okay, that yeah, that does make sense. Cool, cool, cool. Detective work. (laughs) Um... So yeah, like you're you're heading to Chloe's and she's just super emo. You see the dead whales, uh, and then she's still upset when you get to her house. And then you're just like, wow, like actually in the car, Chloe blames her father's death as being the the defining moment in her life that just completely screwed up the rest of her life. And that's all. And that's kind of like selfish of her to think that, but um you kind of as her best friend are just kind of like, you know what, you're, you might be right. And you are looking through some old photos and you see a photo that was taken in Chloe's, uh, uh, the day of the accident, actually the day of the accident. It's a picture of you and Chloe and you're looking at the photo, the Polaroid and the, the screen starts shaking and you have to refocus the photo and you refocus the photo and you are in an alternate Reality, I guess, where you're back at you're back at Chloe's place, right? Yeah, you're back. The, um, the day, day of, one of this game, I think, right? Yeah, the day, the, well, the day of the accident. The oh day, yeah, you're right. You're right, day, right. The day her father dies, so you you went back in time, I guess five years. So you're not seventeen or eighteen years old. You're thirteen year old Max. You're hanging out with Chloe, uh, pre blue hair, pre her punk phase. And uh, basically the, the preface is, is that um, you guys are hanging out at the house. Chloe's dad, William, is there. And uh, Joyce, her mom, calls the house. William um, needs to – basically Joyce needs a ride home from work. So William goes to pick up Joyce, and uh, on his way there, he gets in a car accident that he takes his life. And that's like the story of how William dies. And at this point, you know, that's going to happen. And you're like, it, it's a cool, it's a cool sequence because you're, you're in this house that you've been in like, like literally a million times, but are, you know, figuratively a million times. But in this game, you've already been in Chloe's house like five or six times. So you're seeing the house five years previously and you're, you're kind of like looking through and seeing like, Oh my God, like I remember this thing from a kid or, Oh, this thing or this thing. And then you're looking around and David or not David William gets the phone call and you're like, Oh crap, I have to find the keys. So, you know, you, you look for the keys, you find the keys and then you have to hide the keys. So David never finds them. So then he never takes the car ride that ends up killing him. So you're basically attempting to change time 
and like basically trying to fix quote unquote fix Chloe's life by never letting her dad leave the house. Though that one part of her life that she attributes to all her suffering and stuff never happens. So in theory, her life should be peaches and cream. And um, well, before before we get to the conclusion, how did you guys hide the keys? Uh, I thought the puzzle. Ways. Okay, I I thought the puzzle was super cool because it there everything that I was trying there was like always some way that it was it just didn't work. So at first it was like, oh well, you can answer the phone. So that was the one thing I tried to do. So I was like, I'll answer the phone. He's like, hey, what are you doing? And then so you rewind back, and I'm like, okay, well I'll unplug the phone. Then he gets a call on the cell phone. Um, then like the different places I tried to hide the key. Every time I hit it, he was you know. Yeah, he had that. Uh, he has like thing. a a beeper that yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like uh he hits this button on this remote and then it starts beeping where his keys are. Um, I didn't even know you could have all that uh choice and the yeah. decisions you made. Like I literally, I picked up the keys and then I dropped them in the vase. He pulled out the little beeper thing, so that spoiled it for me. And then uh, so I rewound it and then. I picked up the keys and I said, I need to hide it someplace where he can't hear it. And then I just walked over to the sink and just dripped it, dropped it into the sink full of water. And then that was it. That took me like 15 minutes to figure out. That literally like, was my <laughs> second decision. <laughs> and, and, and like, it even goes as far as like, you can rewind and even try and like talk them through it and be like, look, Chloe, um, you know, something bad is going to happen to your dad. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like you're going crazy now. So that's insane. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. All that is sounds super cool. And I'm kind of wish that I was like stuck a little bit longer so I could have seen all that. That's kind of cool. So what I did was I tried to hide it in the, um, there's a little cookie case or something. And I tried putting the keys in there thinking he wouldn't find them. Once the beeper came off, obviously he did that. So I'm like, okay. So, um, I think what I ended up doing this playthrough was, I opened the um, screen to the back door and threw the keys out that way, like as far as I possibly could. And then um, closed the screen so he couldn't use his little beeper thing to find them. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know he could do that. Yeah, I had no idea you could unplug the phone. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that is cool. And then, like, there's another thing. I guess I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's like a little book on the table. It's got the number to um, the two whales. And what you try and do is you try and rewind and then call her to tell her, you know, what, you know, I guess you're trying to get Joyce to not, you know, uh, try to take the to walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. Right. So that you do that. And then even that doesn't work. Cause when you call, they're like, Oh, well, Joyce isn't here. I'm like, word. <laughs> and literally like two seconds later, she calls, uh, uh, she calls Chloe's dad. So I'm like, all right, that's kind of weird. That's super cool, dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's why it's like one of my favorite parts of the game so far. Just like, aside from like the gameplay mechanics, just going back to that house and seeing the then and now of everything. Like you see they have like a, there's, that's another dollar for the swear jar every time um, William cusses because he can't find his keys. And like you see they have a little thing for Paris because that's like Chloe's life goal to go there. It was really like interesting and profound just to go around their apartment back then and see how different all of the like pamphlets and the TV. books on the table, <laughs> the TV, yeah, all yeah. of it's different. 
Yeah, that's super cool. It was a super cool sequence because, like I said, it's it's not like it's you've been to this location once and you know you don't really notice. It's like no, you've been in this location at least three, four times already, and you've walked through this environment three or four times, and you've had to interact with some of these sections that many times already. So, like seeing it five years previously, or that was really cool. And um, ultimately. Uh, However, by by whatever means, uh, they, uh, William does not leave the house, and he doesn't die. And then I don't I don't remember how it prefaces it, but the something happens, and uh, you're in the all, the future. Then you're you're fast forward to five years in the future, and you're like awesome, like I saved David, and I, I think um you wake up, huh? I was gonna say this sequence kind of. It's very interesting because this is the first time Max uses her powers in a different way where it's always been like local rewinding. But this time, since she rewound through the picture, she was literally in this snapshot of time. And the second he walks through the door, like she celebrates with Chloe. She's like, oh, man, you don't know what this is going to do for you. Then the game flashes forward um, pretty much to where you're going. So I'll let you go with that. Yeah, so you you wake up in the uh, back in an alternative present, and you're you see some of your classmates, and like Victoria's like, you know, Max, Max, did you see? Did you get that? And you kind of find out that like Victoria, your your arch nemesis in the present timeline or reality, is like one of your friends, and she looks up to you, and you're part of the Vortex Club, and you're just like super popular girl. Like honestly, you're. To me, it seems like you're Rachel Amber, really. Um, and uh, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go catch up with my friend um, Chloe or whatever, right? So you go to Chloe's house, and William answers the door, and he's like, Max, I'm, I'm so glad to see you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let me go get Chloe. And then Chloe appears in a wheelchair with, like, a breathing tube in her neck. And then you're like, what? happened and then the episode ends (laughs) so yeah what do you guys think about this it was one of the in my opinions best cliffhangers for any episodic content i've ever like consumed it's probably the second best cliffhanger i've ever seen (laughs) it was definitely uh unexpected yeah, Especially because you don't know if the game's going to, like, okay, are we in this alternate timeline for the rest of the game? Like, did you guys think we were going to stay there? Like, what were your I, thoughts? I, I just, like, honestly, it was just like, whoa. Like, it, it was like the, I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie Butterfly Effect. Yeah, yeah. And it was just kind of like, you know, like, the timelines can change so dramatically off of one decision. So it was kind of like, wow, like it's crazy to think that, you know, Chloe, all these bad things are happening to her in her mind off of this one decision. Let's change that one decision. And then this completely everything she ever wanted, you know, her father to be alive, to have a loving family or whatever, even though she did have a loving family, but uh, at least her mom was like, she got all that stuff. But at what cost? And the, the cost was she was wheelchair bound, and her like her family, you know, <laughs> she her family was together, but you know they she 
couldn't have the, the, the life that she had previously with her bad lifestyle, you know? And if you notice, um, since you said butterfly effect, there is a blue butterfly, blue butterfly in every single episode. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. There's a, yeah, a lot of references to other things. And like, I don't know, like it was, it was crazy to like, it, it was, it was a super cool, like super powerful moment too, because like when you're making this transition over or at the very end of the chapter or episode, like after you see Chloe, you're like, you kind of see like a horrified, like what happened look on Max's face. And then the, the episode ends, but it starts showing these Polaroid snapshots of Chloe's life. And so, like, you see this picture of her and Max, and, like, that kind of changes. And then it includes her, Max, and her father. Or you see a picture of David uh, and Joyce at their wedding day, and then it changes, and then it's it's William, and it's like a family portrait. And it's super cool to see, like, all these things that, you know, Chloe has been complaining about have changed. And then the last picture is a picture of her in her wheelchair. And it's like, dang, like, that's crazy. Are you talking about, like, um, when it's shifting between the past and the present, quote unquote, where it's like, here's a picture of William walking out to the car. Here's a picture of, like, Joyce and Chloe at the funeral and that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's changing all these, these negative moments in Chloe's life and changing them to this would have happened and this is this alternate timeline where your father didn't die, you know? And like, you see, like it literally changes like four, three or four pictures in her life that are quote unquote tumultuous. So like her and her mother crying at her dad's funeral, the last photo that they had of her father alive, a photo of her arguing with David and she has a knife, the wedding photo of David and her mother. And it changes to like these four drastically different where it's like happy photos there's nothing wrong with Chloe. Then the last picture is a picture of Chloe as the blue haired, you know, beanie wearing rebel. And it switches it to her being Chloe in a wheelchair. Wait, no, no, no. They, um, the last photo is when she gets the keys to the car and that sets up the cliffhanger. Yeah. 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 yeah, Actually. Yeah. You're right. Cause that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was a, it was a picture of David's car being wrecked. And then it switches to a picture of Chloe with car keys, right? Yep, because I think she got it for like her 16th birthday or whatever. I don't know. It was like a super powerful moment to me because it was just like, man, like everything, like she got everything she wanted, but she didn't like think about this one thing, you know, or like and it's not something that you think about. It's like, man, this one decision, if this thing would have changed, my life would have been so much better. But then it's just like, no, because all these other things would have been different too, you know? Yeah, they did an excellent job of kind of transitioning that contrast. Although um, I did have some umbrage with how Max got portrayed. Like, I don't see how Max ended up in the Vortex Club. I think that was a little, like, easy, that transition they made. I think they just had the, like, honestly, I do think she just literally became Rachel Amber. Like, because honestly, I I do feel like like Max kind of treads that line anyways, where she can be likable by everybody. I just maybe in that situation, like, she just becomes, like, 
I don't know. Like, she just becomes, like, a different person. She's no longer her shy... I guess that's what they're trying to say. She's not the shy girl. She's more vocal and just more uh, extroverted or whatever. Yeah, I can kind of get that. But if you put it in, like, the context of the story of her leaving not too long after um, David died, I guess, she wouldn't have been around Chloe anyway. So it, it was just, you know it was hard for me to justify that change in her personality, especially since she didn't have much contact with Chloe either way. It seems like, yeah, that makes sense. I think they just had to, it had to be like a extreme and it's just like, what's like the most extreme they could have, they could have either made Max B look, look like Chloe, you know, like with the tattoos and the, the rebel, but then she wouldn't be at the school. So the next other extreme she could be is she's in this rich, girl slash popular kid club yeah they were just they were trying to sell the alternate reality which i i can understand that um so yeah that that concludes episode three so at the ending of that you're in an alternative uh universe or reality of what actually happened and um like we said i think we all agree it's like a super super well done cliffhanger like, uh, I, I immediately wanted to jump into episode four. And, um, yeah, I guess let's, you guys just want to dive right into episode four? Yep. Let's go for let's it. Let's go for it. Episode four. Okay. Um, this episode is, it starts off, you're still in the alternative universe. I think you, for some reason, Aren't you on the beach now? Like when you start off, you're in the beach and with with uh, Chloe. Yeah, you just kind of reintroduce yourself to Chloe, and you're spending time with her, just walking her, and you still see the beach whales that you saw in your timeline. So that implies that the distortion's still there. It's kind of weird too, because um, so Max, despite you know all these things around her changing and her. This is, I guess, this is maybe another weird thing. Her being in the Vortex Club, so technically being a different personality, she still seems like the same Max when she's having these monologues. And so she's, like, coming to terms with... Huh? Sorry, I was going to... It is. It's the same thing that happened at the end of Episode 3 when she kind of, like, possessed her old self. I guess, yeah. So she kind of just jumps in. She's herself as in the current universe, but she's herself... She's jumped into the body of her alternate universe. Exactly. And that's a really profound thing. Um, I definitely want to talk about that once we get to the house part. Okay. So yeah, she's kind of, you know, you're, you're on the beach with Rachel. Um, You're kind of like walking alongside her and she's in her wheelchair and uh, you're just kind of trying to figure out what happened. You're like, you're, you're asking her, you know, about the accident and what she remembers. And she's kind of saying like, yeah, like, I drove my car into a ditch and I immediately felt my spine snap. And that was the last thing I ever felt, uh, which is crazy. Um, and so you, you kind of get that information from, uh, from Chloe about her, how she became what she's her situation. And then she says something like, I'm kind of tired or drained or whatever. Can you take me back to my house? So then you, you know, you, you take her back to her house and you 
are in her room. And I think her room was the, uh, in the previous, the other universe, it's the garage. So David's garage got turned into Chloe's room. And it has like wheelchair access. She has like a hospital style bed. She has a morphine drip beside her bed. She has uh, oxygen, like a breathing machine. Uh, She has a, yeah, it's just like they completely, it looks like, uh, her family completely went, uh, you know, all the way in and trying to help her with her um, her, her issues, you know, like, uh, and she even kind of mentions that my family has went into a great deal of debt because they are, care so much about me and taking care of me. But at least her family's together, right? So let's have this fight right now. So in our um, Facebook group chat, we have very differing opinions on this section of the game. Some people really liked it. Others did not. So, um, Marcus, I'll let you start. Well, I guess I should say, so can we, can we finish this? Can we talk about the entirety of this section real quick? And then we go back, bring this back to how we feel about the section. Okay. But there's some stuff before we skip to the end of this section. Okay. okay I, let, let me at least get like. Um, Hold up. Are we talking about the just the first choice that you have to make, like that little section, or the entirety of? Episode I'm talking four? about just that that for up to that first big decision you have to make. Dude, okay. there's so much stuff to talk about before you get there, though. Sure, sure. <laughs> then I guess we'll, we'll 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 talk about it. I like okay. So just being completely upfront, this is my least favorite part of. Actually, to be honest. I didn't like this part, but I can't even say it's my least favorite part. I overall like this. This was one of my like most like man. I don't want to be playing this. Like it, it, to me, it was like you went from this super amazing uh, cliffhanger in episode three, and then I started up episode four, and I'm like, cool. I get to see all this stuff played out, but then it's like, oh, I get to be this girl's nurse. And like that was not fun for me. Not like and I'm not necessarily playing this game for its fun, but it just was kind of like, wow, like she's very reliant on other people. So like I they're really playing that up and I get it, but like it just wasn't compelling to me. Like I know it was selling the fact that she was basically like her life was drastically altered and she requires basically twenty-four-seven attendance. You know, like she necessarily, she can't really do anything for herself. And they did a good job of showcasing that. Like you have to, I think she wants to watch um, Blade Runner. So you have to go, she has a flat screen TV. So you have to go find the DVD <laughs> and then you have to go put it in the DVD player. And then you watch the movie with her. And then another part, she's like, I'm tired of talking. Can you get my water for me? I'm thirsty. And you literally hold up the water glass to her face so she can drink out of the straw. And, like, I, I, I get, like, those two things kind of showcase the, the state that she's in and, like, how she can't take care of herself. And she's, like, a shell of her former self. But, like, they weren't necessarily, like, that compelling for me to play. I mean, I'd argue that most of the game isn't, like, the gameplay part of it isn't what you're... The, 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 the... the, the the, the, the compelling part of this game is I'm solving this 
mystery. So like, oh, we need to find information about what happened to Clay. We need to find information about what happened to Rachel. And then now I'm playing like, oh, uh, let me go grab you a cup of water. Oh, let me go put this DVD in the DVD player. And like, that's that that's completely different than I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up to do like these menial tasks. I, I'm, I'm here to solve a mystery and try to solve like this missing girl stuff. And I know like sometimes some of that stuff is necessary, but like, I just think this section played out a little bit longer than I wanted it to play out. I think like, it was personally like the compelling part of the game isn't a mystery for me. It's the interactions between the characters and seeing the dynamics, how drastically they change in this little section is just so interesting in comparison to the other, like all the entirety of the rest of the game, like everything gets flipped on its head. Like when you talk to um, Joyce and William, William's alive now and you knew him just from Chloe's memories and um, the small interaction you had in the past when you were trying to get him to not go out the house and just seeing this man kind of crumble under the weight of depth and having his daughter die, like literally in front of his eyes was just really profound and um, really interesting. And then just seeing how Joyce's um, mechanics of her change, like she had this giant thing against smokers in the diner, but now she's a smoker because she she's depressed and she's trying to deal with um, her daughter dying just like William is. And seeing the jar, the tip jar they had for Paris, that's gone because they don't have any money anymore. And the most interesting thing, in my opinion, is what they did to Max. Because did any of you guys look at the journal after you um, rewound to oh, or um, the- got to the alternate reality? Like the in-game journal? Yeah, like the actual page-by-page oh, no. in-game. I, I looked at the journal, and I saw that there was no entries into the people, and I was like, there is no way I'm playing episode four and five in this alternate re- reality because this is so boring. I don't want to have to re-meet these people and have different interactions with them because of this one decision. So I was kind of like low, I was like kind of upset that it was like, oh, damn, like everybody changed, and I have to re-meet them? Oh, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to this. It's not only like, so there's a text part. And if you look through the text, you're like, oh, wow, my dynamics with all these people have completely been flipped on their head. And now it's kind of like you said, I'm kind of like this Rachel Amber-esque figure. And then if you actually look at the journal, like the entries Max is writing day to day, those have changed because they're alternate reality Maxes, where it's like, oh, man, I was at the Vortex party and I was hanging out with victoria and nathan and this happened and so she basically kind of becomes shallow yeah but i mean it's a really interesting thing because it's a character change and it's a dynamic and you say wow this is a completely different max they took the time to actually really build on this character how do you guys feel about it because I, I i hear everything he's saying like i understand and i i agree to some aspects but it's just kind of like it, it was too long for me like, I, Long. I, like, I think this section was mainly meant to make you care. Yeah, I was about to say that because I mean, it just leads up to that that decision that you have to make. But, but like the, to me, this section punishes you as the player instead of like so. Like the entire time you're playing this game, it's Chloe is the one that's getting you to do all these powers. You're doing everything on her behalf. It's not necessarily because you as the player want to do it. 
It's because Chloe wants to do it. And then the, you make this decision for Chloe and you see how it has a super profound effect on her, but she doesn't even get to learn the lesson. It like, to me, it's like punishing Max or like even punishing you as the player. Cause it's like, Chloe keeps asking you like, Oh, well, don't worry. We have your rewind time. Every time you get into a situation, Chloe's like, well, don't worry. We have you. So it's going to be okay. And so like, I like, I appreciate the aspect that she feels that way. And then, Hey, guess what? Max isn't here to save you from this accident that happens to you. But at the same time, it's like, Chloe's never going to learn that lesson. She's never going to real like, she's not going to go back in time and, you know, be the one that has to make the decision. Do I want to leave Chloe in a wheelchair or do I want to have, her dad still alive. So to me, it's like the character that should be learning this lesson will never learn the lesson. And I just, I don't know. Like, I don't like her as a character. It's like, this is the one part where you can have a teachable moment and she's not even the one that gets to experience it. But I feel like Max is learning something important about she, she had been preaching like, Hey, I shouldn't use, be using my powers in vain, but she had been doing it the entire game. And this is finally like her chance to develop where she's like, I'm actually starting to understand the actual repercussions of using my powers. And I have to, well, I don't want to get into the choice that happens or anything like that, but she learns a lesson right then. And I think that's a really profound lesson just um, in her. And it kind of, it reflects on the rest of her throughout the game. I just wish Chloe would have learned the lesson because I feel like she's the one that needs to learn that type of lesson. And like a lot of the, she does a lot of egging on of you as the character to, in order to satisfy whatever goals that she has. And it was just kind of like, man, like I wish I could take a picture of you right now, Chloe, and show you, this is what would happen if your dad died. So anytime, or if your dad lives, anytime you want to complain to me about your dad, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you being sad that your dad is dead just remember like hey i've seen what that looks like and trust me you don't want to know you know does does anybody and i guess i don't know if this is like skipping too far ahead but does anybody well you know what hold on i'll I'll save it for when we get to that point i guess yeah just one more small thing while we're just like in chloe's room before you do any of the other stuff in that apartment it's really interesting to see how Max, like the difference in the dynamic between Max and Chloe, because before seemingly Max just didn't call just because she was like, I, it was going to be an awkward thing. This Max, this new Max, she was kind of actively avoiding Chloe and she became super vain. If you look at like, any of the poster, like not the posters, but the postcards that like Max sent. If you check the text that, um, Ooh, the one text that was really good was William sent a text to Max saying, Hey, I heard you, um, heard you're moving back or something. And, um, if you want to get in contact with Chloe, here's your number and just feel free to visit anytime. And Max had known about the accident by this point. And the text was dated like March 14th, I'd like to say. And then pretty much it wasn't until the current September. Yeah, it wasn't until September. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't until September that Real Max actually took her up on that and being like, hey, this is Max. I want to like see you. So just 
all of that stuff was really, really interesting. And I yeah, think like, I, I, a yeah. really good job doing like putting details in being like, wow, this, like this contrast between alternate reality max and actual max. So like, I, I just want to say like, I, I don't necessarily think it was like, I understand why it's in the game. I'm not complaining that it's in the game or whatever. It just was a little bit boring. It was like a dry sequence for me. Uh, but I, I do have written down, you know, Max coming to terms with her powers and how they affect others negatively and positively. Because like you said, she does have those interactions with uh, uh, William and Joyce and just kind of, you know, gets into their psyche and everything. And it, 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 the, the one one of the cool things that stands out in the sequence is like uh, they do a lot of like kind of mentioning and like kind of foreshadowing almost uh, which I think is cool, but like one of the things is, uh, I think Chloe or no, uh, Max is talking to William and says something like, you know, you're at the end of the conversation. He said, "It's so nice to see you again," and it's like he he makes the comment like, "You act like you haven't seen me in a lot in a while," and it's like like that that's just like a cool little thing that he like you know like he, it comes off as super being nonchalant from him, but then when you're you know as the player, you're like, "Yeah, dude, like I haven't seen you in like five years." Like, you know, technically, I haven't seen you in five years. Like, you were dead. Like, I shouldn't be seeing you right now. And I, I thought some of that stuff that you're allude, like they allude to is, is clever. Like, I do appreciate that. But I don't know. Like, just it just wasn't the most fun part for me to play through is all I'm saying. Like, I understand why it's in there and I appreciate it's in there. And, like, it's important to further develop Max as a character. Because, like you said, she does come to terms with, like, hey, I... I actually need to keep my time stuff in check because I could be affecting a lot of other things this way too, if I'm not careful. It's good. I just thought that would be a very interesting discussion. Um, but yeah, so you, you do, a, <laughs> you do a bunch of fetch quest <laughs> for Chloe. <laughs> and then she like, kind of says like, Hey, um, I'm in a lot of pain right now. You, you know, you caught me on a, on a good day, but I, I need to get some my morphine or whatever. So she kind of gives you instructions on uh, where to go upstairs and get her morphine. And that's when you go to her, her old room. And I, I thought this was a cool, like, this part I did, like, um, you, you go into her old bedroom and you see, like, the walking crutches that her parents bought for her before they realized that she would never be able to walk again. So it was kind of like you could kind of see like what the family had to go through because they're like super into debt right now. They got to remortgage their house and like they're just spending thousands of dollars for her hospital costs. And but by any means, you know, getting her whatever she needs. And um, oh, there's another you see a letter from Principal Wells and uh, it alludes to and I wonder if this is because you take the money Um but like it alludes to not having enough funding for the handicap. Uh, oh wow! Funds, yeah. So like, since it's I it regardless. The, oh, okay, because there was a couple of things. Like I was like, part of me was like, I wonder if I didn't take the money, would she be in a wheelchair? You know, because I was like, oh, the irony of ironies. You know, you take the money for the, you don't see any handicapped kids on on school campus, and then of course you take the money for the handicapped kids, and then in the alternate reality. This your your best friend is handicapped, so I was I was like kind of thinking like, oh man, I wonder what the what would have been different. But like, I was well, like, my playthrough um, after she reads the letter, she says something to the effect of, 
that money was never going to be used for the handicap fund anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I came to the conclusion to as well. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that like, that would have been true regardless of if we were in the alternate or the, you know, regular timeline, they still weren't going to have enough money for the handicap stuff. And I thought that was kind of funny or clever, I guess. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of just see her old room and it's just like a storage room now. And, uh, that's kind of feels a little weird and you, you end up going to the bathroom, getting her morphine uh, and then uh, go back to Chloe. And then um, that's when you're faced with the first decision. And that's like a, a, a real tough one. Cause it's, um, it's uh, Chloe is basically asking you to mercy kill her, basically assisted suicide. So she wants you to give her a large dose of morphine to basically let her peacefully die. Uh, and you can choose to either accept her request or to deny her request. So what did you guys, where did you guys lay on? Uh, where'd you guys decide for that decision? I, uh, I refused her request. I, you really, <laughs> I, um, I initially, I, I tried to like you, this is the, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only, big decision where you have three choices actually because you kind of have like a um a middle of the line like a I don't know option so you choose I chose that one at first and then like Chloe kind of talks through why she wants she's like like my parents are they're just you know this amount of debt is building up and like they just can't live successful or you know regular lives with me as a burden and just like she she kind of lays out like why she feels the way she feels and she literally has no control over her life. Yeah, yeah. And she wants her last decision to be something she actually has. Exactly. That's literally what she says. And she even says, too, like, I know, like, my parents will never do this either, you know. So it's basically, like, you are the one person that will allow me to make this decision. I have no control. I can't control anything. So let me choose my fate. So please do this for me. And then you get posed the question again. Uh, and I I accepted. I I. I I killed her. Oh, she actually can die? Yeah, yeah. You you inject the morphine, and then she kind of, like, just slowly, she just fades out. And I actually saw both. I'm the only one that, like, looks at both decision, big decision, like, almost every time. I'd say, like, 90% of them, I've seen both sides. I did it, like, I think in the first episode, but then I started feeling kind of dirty doing it. So I was like, I'm just going to kind of commit to it. No, I, I, oh, I don't feel dirty. It's like a, it's a feature in the game. But uh, I, I just kind of like, th- there's only been one decision that I made where I switched my, I, I usually, what I do is I pick what I feel like picking. I watch it play out, rewind it, see the other option, rewind it and pick my initial one. I just want to see both play out. Um, but um, it was funny because in this one, or not funny, but uh, <laughs> when you, decide not to when you refuse her request she kind of is like you know just get out of here i never want to see you again you're only here because of pity and i see how you look at me you don't even you know blah 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 she kind of lays into you and it's, it's actually true of the character that darren or dante is referring to when you read the journal about this super um obnoxious like arrogant just out of touch character that max is supposedly become in this alternate timeline that's and the, also the inverse of 
Chloe, essentially, where Chloe used to be this punk person that blamed you for everything. But this Chloe, pretty much the entire time, is just kind of being an angel to you, where she's like, I know you didn't talk to me for five years, but I understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm trying to make things right. And she's like a really, really legitimately kind human being. It's almost like I'm telling you, dude, like if you're the Rachel in this, she's like the Kate. It's like literally like you just swap places, swap roles with another character. Um, but uh, she, she like basically like I never want to see you again. And she turns her face away from you, like towards the window. And then that, that she just like doesn't look at you after that. If you accept her request and you kill her, she dies and she faces towards you. And I, I don't like it's like like not that big of a deal. But I thought that was very interesting because it was like uh she's way more accepting of this character that you know like uh, complies with her final request and uh i don't know it, even she also kind of thanks you on the way out too yeah yeah the specifics, she, but she's she, like she, live she, off live on my dream or something like that yeah and she says i'll see you i'll see you you know not soon but i'll see you around in the future or something like that and she even says she loves you too you know like, you know, and it's just like, wow, like, that this is, <laughs> it's really weird to see her like this. Um, but uh, ultimately, no matter what you decide, if she dies or not, um, you kind of like, man, I wonder if I can go back. So you, you go back to the Polaroid uh, that caused you to jump into this uh, alternate universe and you kind of refocus it and you jump back into the present uh, universe and you're back in Chloe's house in her bedroom and you're kind of coming to and you, you look around and you, you start to see familiar things and then you see Chloe on her computer, blue hair, beanie, and then you just run over there and hug her and say, I'm so glad you're here. She's kind of like, yeah, dude, I've always been here. You were just asleep. And I don't know. Was, I, I thought that was kind of cool how they kind of played it off like you know, like she she could have been dreaming. Like we know she wasn't dreaming, but that's kind of what Chloe thought she was, you know, doing. I thought that was kind of cool. And then, um, well, that, huh? one small addendum: you do go back to that original sequence where you're back when you're like 13 year old Max, and you literally like this is a, yeah yeah yeah. You, you, you basically let Chloe through. walk out that door like knowing he's gonna die this yeah, time because you, you're you, like. I can't stand to see Chloe like that. So I'm going to actively make this decision. And she actually burns the photo that she used to um, rewind to get to that place. Yep. Yep. I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, you get to play through that sequence again. And like, you just have to let you're like, I'm so sorry, William and all that. And you kind of even say too, like Chloe's like, Max, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you being so weird? This is immediately after her dad leaves. And she's just like, I want you to know, Chloe, that I'm always going to be here for you and no matter what happens. And kind of Chloe is like, it's really, it's a really weird. uh, Yeah, like I I wrote down the interaction uh, after William leaves. is super weird because like Max is very remorseful because she knows what's going to happen. And she knows like that decision. It's not her fault, but she could change it. But she would rather... William be dead and Chloe be Chloe, then William be alive and Chloe be a shell of her former self. And um, so she's super apologetic and just super remorseful. And Chloe's like, well, man, you're being weird. Let's 
you know, go upstairs and go chill in our room or, you know, whatever. And it, it, it's just like a super weird, like, she doesn't dig any deeper. Like, you know, like, she doesn't ask her what's wrong. She just said you're being weird. Yeah, it was kind of one of those situations where it's like, if this were to happen, if she altered time in this way, Chloe probably that same day would have not necessarily put two to two together like Max has time rewinding powers, but it's like, it's almost like she knew, but you don't get any impression of that. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a super weird, like, uh, sequence. But, uh, yeah, you let William die again, you're back in the uh, present time, and you're back in Chloe's room, and I think at that point you're resolved that we need to figure out what David knows about Kate, right? What David, what David's, why he was so adamant about surveillance, what was he actually spying on? So you have to like go back to the garage and look at like all the information in his files and stuff, right? Yeah, I believe so. I think that's right. So yeah, you, you, you find some evidence and I, you know, some records and whatnot. And then, um, uh, you end up talking to Chloe and you're like, Hey Chloe, I still want to, you know, get some more information. But before we do that, let's go check in on Kate at the hospital. And, uh, you just want to see how she's doing. And, uh, or Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, you don't have that. You didn't have that. Did you? Oh, what was that again? So after you find the information about um, David and the surveillance stuff, then I guess all of us had the ability to go see Kate at the hospital. We got to visit her at the hospital. Oh, yeah. My game, she just goes straight to the school. Yeah. So, you know, at the hospital, it's actually, it's not that different than, I mean, she's up and around, but it's it's just like a hospital bed. And like, it's it's almost kind of like how Chloe's room was in the alternate universe. Um, but, you know, she's up and around. You get to kind of interact with her and just like, she's like, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for everything. And, you know, um, I'm doing well. And, you know, you, you, you see some stuff from other students, like you know, get well stuff. And I mean, like I said, Kate, like alternate Chloe is basically Kate because Kate is just super happy to see you. She's like, you know, at a hospital and she gave away all her her, her flowers and gifts to the elderly people because they, she wanted them to see like smiles on their faces. So she only kept the get well soon balloons. And then um, she has a, uh, a letter from Victoria, like Victoria wrote her a letter that said she, you know, was sorry for her actions and her part in the whole situation, which was shocking because I didn't think Victoria was capable of any good. Yeah. You see these kind of profound turnarounds in a lot of the characters like Victoria did what you said um kate's mom who was very condescending beforehand like when you're investigating kate's room in episode two i'd like to say she was like um well you know you're not a um we're we really don't consider you a member of the family if you're gonna conduct yourself like this and whatnot and you see it's like hey i'm gonna be more supportive of you from now on and then also in episode two you saw like these really dark and grim drawings around Kate's room. And now she's back to doing her children's books, illustrations and stuff like that. So seeing that transition was really like fruitful. Yeah. It was really good to see that she was in a, in a much better place. And then you, you kind of get some information on her, like um, from her, um, you kind of tell her like, Hey, we're, we're still looking into Nathan's stuff. And um, 
you know, blah, 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 this. And uh, so you kind of wish her well. And then you head off. You're back at the school now. And you are at the dorms, like, the, the, and you see a bunch of the students around just kind of chilling. And you have, like, a conversation with, um, you can have a conversation with some of the, you know, non-essential characters. You have, like, another weird interaction with the, the, not like a major character, but the janitor, Samuel. And that guy is, like, super in touch with, like, like I said, he's like a Bob Ross-esque figure. And so you get to have, like, a good conversation with him and sitting next to him as a science teacher. So you can kind of, like, delve into what's going on with the weird weather stuff and the uh, animal behavior. So you kind of get, like, that stuff is interesting to me. And it's, like, kind of like a secondary, like, trying to, like, because ultimately that's, like, the main crux of the game is stopping the tornado. And, like, it kind of seems like it's been kind of secondary a lot of the game. And Samuel's a really interesting character in the context of the rest of the game. He almost has that, um, I don't want to say, he he's not omnipotent. So <laughs> he's not, like, this all-seeing eye or whatever. But he's in tune with a lot of things other people aren't. He's the sage-old, wise man, or the, like the shaman-esque. Like, he's like the the... the he's just very in touch with the spiritual world. And it was actually very interesting that he was sitting next to Miss Brandt, the science teacher, because they were apparently having some type of conversation that you got to, you know, butt in on and talk to each of them individually. And so you got to talk about the science stuff with Miss Brandt and like all the weather stuff. And then you got to talk to Sam about the dead birds and the the whale stuff and like how the animals are are dealing with it. So it it was kind of interesting to see that. He also kind of goes into like character themes as far as like I see myself as a squirrel and I forget what he says. I think I can't remember what Max is. Max is the doe. So like, you know, if you have the doe snow globe around the entire episode two, she's wearing a shirt with the doe on the on, on it. And then like throughout the game, you see that doe uh, spirit creature always at the lighthouse so guiding her yeah yeah and like i have a little note about it later but like i well we can talk about later because i I, i'm still interested to see where this goes and if they it has a good payoff to me or not um but yeah you you talk to all those characters and then you end up sneaking into the boys dormitory um this is i guess in theory around school hours so kids are not in their actual dorms they're like in class or whatever and uh so chloe is keeping watch for you and you are trying to figure out which room is nathan's and um since we i guess we all talked to kate she ended up once you get in the dorm she texts you his room number right or did everybody get that or well yeah well not me but i mean yeah yeah you did did you get that uh dante yeah Okay, so yeah, she texts you his dorm or dorm number, but like TBH, <laughs> to be honest, like it's really not that hard to tell because yeah. uh, there's the dry erase boards besides everybody's dorm room, and so like you're walking by reading the different signs, and it's like, oh, this is either this student or this student. Oh, this definitely is a football player here. Oh, this is a skater dude here. You know. Oh, you know, so it's super easy to find. You can easily pinpoint like Warren's and you can easily pinpoint uh, Nathan's. 
And uh, it's just really weird, too. Like, the boys' dorm is like an animal house. Like, just graffiti and just wall art everywhere. And for it being such a nice school, you would think that, uh, like, they have, like, dicks drawn everywhere and just like a lot of like <laughs> warren is crude humor they get bullied a lot warren and who's the daniel uh, daniel daniel that since they're kind of like quote-unquote nice guys all the jocks bully them so they have kind of like slurs and stuff posted on their doors just from other people going and bullying them yeah, uh, but you, you end up finding Warren's room and you, you got to break in, and or not Warren's, so Nathan's room, and you break in, and then his room is just like the room of a serial killer, like <laughs> super immaculate and just well taken care of, but he's he has a lot of money, so he just has like a lot of nice furniture and stuff, but you just see he has like these pictures of like these super dark, like... BDSM bondage type stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even really know how to say it, but like portraits of women in compromising positions. And then you're kind of like, I hope these were all consenting adults or, you know, kind of. And he has like a huge DVD collection. And apparently it's a lot of like weird and dark stuff. Uh, you kind of find out that he has like a uh, dad that kind of demeans him a lot. Um and uh, you, you see he has a uh, you're, you're in there to find evidence about him. You're looking for like a cell phone or something and you end up like finding his cell phone and you see some claw marks, scratch marks, claw marks on the floor of his dorm room that also looks shady. And then uh, so you, you end up finding his cell phone and get out. And then uh, one thing that I forgot to mention during episode three, that's it plays directly into this. So we don't have to really backtrack. But when you're on the principal's computer um, back in his office, you see a draw like, okay, there's a report on Nathan Prescott in the first place. And it's like, hey, we've kind of compiled some things he's done and we're concerned about his like mental well-being. And one of the photos attached, it's just the words Rachel in the dark room or something like that. And it's in this really creepy vortex. And it's just literally this. It's one sentence repeated like probably a hundred different times, making the spiral. What do you guys think about that? That that was when it was like, okay, this guy seems like he might be a little unhinged and dangerous. I already felt he was unhinged and dangerous, so it just kind of just was like a confirmation of like, oh, yep, there's something he's done something. Yeah, even from the first episode when he first walked into the bathroom and he's talking to himself. Well, even first, he goes into the girls' bathroom. Yeah. Definitely feel got the unhinged vibe from him. So I don't know. Like, I immediately, like, knew he had something to do with Rachel. It's really just pinning it and trying to figure out what he did. And, like, it almost kind of made me feel like, oh, well, if in my mind, what he did to Kate is probably no different than what he did to Rachel. Why did Kate why did we, how did Kate get away? Or she didn't get away, but like, you know, what prompted Kate to not have to, why is she not missing, you know? And, um, yeah, uh, you, um, leave his dorm with his phone, give it to Chloe, and then you guys are about to leave, and then he kicks the door, he gets into the, the dorm room, and he's, or the boy's dorm, and he's like, what are you two doing here? 
and uh, Warren just happens to be there, and he kind of like gets in between you and Nathan. He kind of just unloads on. Oh uh, yeah. He unloads on uh, Nathan, and uh, he start he like he pushes him, and then he like punches him, kicks him. He's down on the ground, and he's kicking them in the stomach, and like you know. Nathan is just curling up into a ball, and then you, as Max, you get to you get the second decision to you want to let Nathan keep landing these blows, or do you want to stop? Or excuse me, let uh, Warren keep beating Nathan up, or do you want to stop Warren? And what did you guys opt to do? Uh, I stopped him. Soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also stopped him. Even so, though Nathan did have a gun, this is the second time Nathan has been seen with. All right, so this this is another on. this is another um, instance. Like like I was saying before, like I, I chose what I wanted to do. Rewound, saw the other decision, and then I so I could see both sides play out. So I'm guessing you also let him beat him up, Trevor, right? Yeah, I let him get his in. Yeah, dude. First of all, Nathan beat his ass. Yeah. Or Warren beat his ass. He was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, he beat him down. But, like, it's it was even worse just because, like, so he tries to pull out the gun, and he gets hit by Warren, and then the gun goes flying out his hand. You you let Nathan beat him up, and, like, he beats – or Warren, I keep getting their names mixed up. You let Warren beat him up, and then he beats the crap out of him. And then Chloe picks up Nathan's gun. And then you guys kind of just step over him and like are heading out. And then Nathan gets up and he's kind of like, you guys will pay for this. And he's kind of like, you know, walks back to his room. But he's like, it's funny because when he's getting beat up, he's like, I'm sorry. And he's like apologizing. But like the key thing is that when you beat him up, he doesn't have his gun. At least it's key to me. But when you don't beat him up, um, he pulls out his gun uh, he gets knocked out of his hands. He, you know, you stop the fight. You know, you kind of pull Warren back, and then you guys leave. And like Nathan, he gets up, he gets his gun, and he's like, "You guys will pay for this." My father, you guys are dead. You're dead. And then he's like walking to his room, and it's just kind of like, "Damn, dude!" Like, like I said, you see their true colors. So it's like, I don't like. I wasn't comfortable with him having a gun. So one, I got to see him get beat up, but also because I did that, he doesn't have. As far as I know, he doesn't have that gun on him anymore. So, I, I it was a no-brainer to me to beat him up because an unstable person like him does not need to have a gun. I was worried about like something happening to Warren by like having him trying to interfere like that because I figured, well, he's just going to break up the fight, and then that's all that's going to happen from this. But I don't want him to like. Because I figured maybe he would end up getting killed somehow at the end of it. So I was like, I don't really want to see him get messed up. Yeah, I didn't want Warren to go down that path of kind of becoming a Prescott as far as like this raving lunatic that's just going to like take down people as they see fit. Ah man, when he when he was beating him up, he was saying it with his chest. So I just let him. <laughs> <laughs> so I just let him. You know, it, I just let him have it. So, um, yeah. Uh, so then uh, I think after that, um, you have the option, or not even the option. So you're like, okay, so we got this information from 
David, you know, from his garage when we snoop, we got this, we got uh, Nathan's cell phone so we can look through his stuff. So now uh, go ahead and tell Frank that you have his money um, and we'll meet up with him. So then you, you end up heading to the beach to meet up with Frank. And, um, and this is like your first time being able to actually see the whales and whatever too, because they're still there. Um, but, um, you, uh, end up, you know, speaking with Frank, uh, knocking on his RV and straight up, like, I think this was my, this was my favorite part of this so far. Probably my favorite part of this game was the conversation that you have with Frank, because like this, this is just like the, um, not in favorite, but this is up there. Like is very similar to the Kate, when she's on the rooftop where it's just like a super tense conversation where it's like, I feel like if I say the wrong thing, something bad will happen. So I need to, like, I I haven't necessarily been treating him the best so far. So like, I need to get information out of him. How can I best do that without pissing him off? Or how can I get information from him before he completely shuts me out? You know? Um, and I, I really like this sequence because, uh, um, there's a lot of different ways it can play out uh, to me. It seems like uh, you, you kind of basically you initially get prompted to give Frank the money or not give him the money. And like, that's not a major decision, but what did you guys opt to do? What money? <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. I was about to say that, that doesn't even come up in my playthrough. So, so yeah, you can, you can, when you knock on the door, he comes out and then uh, she's like, Hey Frank, we need to talk or blah, blah. And he's like, you said you have my money. Then uh, Chloe looks at, uh, at Max and you can either make the decision, give Frank the money and don't give Frank the money. So I did it both ways, but ultimately I decided to give Frank the money. Cause I felt like that would, he'd be more on my side. And the whole reason I took the money in the first place was to absolve Chloe of her debt to Frank. So I was like, this is one less person that we will potentially have to interact with, uh, you know, one less mess in her life. So I ended up giving him the money. What about you, Trevor? Yeah. I gave him the money too. All right. So after that, then you get to have this conversation with Frank and like, I think he's very standoffish. Like he, I think he means well. Like I, he, he seems like, honestly, he's kind of like the opposite of David, but kind of the same as David. Because I feel like if you know the guy, like Rachel knew the guy, so she understood how he was and like saw the good in him, kind of like how Joyce saw the good in David. And it's even interesting too because David is like the security, former military, everything you know, uh, by the book where. Frank is more like he's a drug dealer and he deals with uh, high school students. And like, he still considers himself a working man, you know, like I have a job and uh, he also is a good guy because he, you know, um, uh, rescues dogs, you know? So he's a complicated character as well. And um, I uh, try to do my best to stay on his good side and, the I ended up re- having to rewind this situation a couple times because I got a couple of not options I didn't want to do. So I think it's worth pointing out that this is by far the most intricate conversation up to this point. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And things play out a lot of different ways. And like ultimately, 
you have a conversation with Frank, and does the dog come out for everybody? Did the dog come out for everybody? I think as long as um, you didn't throw the bone into the road, it will do that. So, yeah, so Pompadou comes out, and, like, you, I mean, this this dog is a former, you know, dog fighting dog. So he comes out, and he's barreling at you. And in my initial, my first conversation that I had with Frank, Chloe immediately reacted and shot the dog. And then Frank, he gets pissed, and he charges at Chloe, and Chloe shoots him, too. And then... She she literally like shot and killed both the dog and the guy, and I that was crazy to me. And it was just like we we talk about how unstable <laughs> how unstable um uh, Nathan is, and it's just like Chloe, like what what did you do that for? You didn't have you know like you didn't have to shoot. And it's just like it was crazy. So like I I I rewound it because I, I just I could not I could not have that happen. And then um, you can kind of, if you rewind it beforehand, you can kind of tell Chloe, like, hey, you can put away your gun or you need to be careful or watch your mouth. So I told her to watch your mouth. Um, And then uh, you have the conversation with Frank again. It's playing out the same way. And then before you get into the nitty gritty with what you were asking him, you can say, hey, Frank, can you uh, close the door? You know, to your RV. And I thought that was like super cool. Like, uh, that's not something that I even thought about. doing like why the dog came out you know i i I thought it just was going to come out but yeah you can prevent that from happening and then it played out and then chloe shot frank again so i had to rewind again and ultimately uh nobody got hurt and i got the information i needed and frank actually uh i think partly because i gave him the money but he became like a uh yeah, like, you guys are doing what you can to find Rachel. If you need anything, let me know because, I, you know, like, I I haven't had any luck. And I know you guys are, you know, I know Chloe, you're her friend, and you'll do whatever just like me to find her. So he kind of, like, at the end of that interaction, it goes from being this tense, super tense conversation with this guy that you hope he will give you information to coming off with, like, a good understanding of, like, what you guys want to do as a goal, as a, a unit, like, your goal and he's kind of almost like an ally now, you know? Yeah, you definitely, like, gain his trust and gain a bond. Like, not too long after that, he actually, like, texts you, and he's like, hey, keep me updated on your progress, that type of stuff. Did I mean, did, how does your guys' like, you end up being nobody got hurt, or did you guys have the same kind of trial and tribulation that I have? Yeah, yeah. it was the same thing with me. I, I had to... I, f- I forgot what choice I had, but one of them led to the dog coming out and attacking uh, Max. And then, so I had to rewind it. Then I had said something about, I had another choice where he was asking me, or um, I think it came up about his dog. And then I was like, oh yeah, I think he asked you if you like dogs. I was like, oh yeah, I like, uh, you know, I think it was like, I like Pompadour or something. Yeah, like finding the common yeah. ground with him. And then yeah. he's like, oh, you know that. So that means you had to have broken my RV because there's no other way you know that's my dog's <laughs> name. And then he shoots you. Um, oh, for me, it was, um, I, I, I heard that he rescued dogs. So that's the one I chose. Yeah, 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 I think that's the correct one. That's the only one that actually yeah, lets yeah. progress. Like, that conversation is littered with, like, traps for you, essentially, as a player, where you know all this stuff. 
but you're not allowed to show your hand because showing your hand means that, you know, you've done X, Y, or Z. So there's stuff about like Rachel Amber's photo and stuff like that. And it's like, you couldn't have known that unless you broke into his RV. So he'll catch you. And that's normally when you have to rewind. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool section. Yeah. I I don't know. Like it, it was one of my favorite conversation parts in this entire game. And like, it just like it, anytime where you, it feels like if I make the wrong decision here, then like this can all go to shit. It's like my, like that's, I like that stuff. So like, the, the Kate thing was a little different because there was no rewind mechanic. So like everything, there was a permanence to that interaction. And like, I didn't know that I needed to have prepped for it, I guess. But thankfully, because I look at everything I did. Um, but this one was different because you could rewind it. But like, like Darren or Dante said, it was like riddled with traps throughout the entire conversation. So you chose the wrong thing it could completely go south just like that. So I really, really like that interaction. And this one, this interaction made it seem like it was your goal to try to make it go well. Like you well, had a choice, yeah. but, but you know, your, your overarching goal was to make sure nobody got shot. Nobody got hurt. There was no violence to, to occur. And uh, and looking at the choices, I, I didn't even know that it was an option that you could kill Frank. Yeah. You um have the gun at that point. I don't think you did. Yeah, I I didn't have the gun in my playthrough. He gives you the gun after that though, because I guess in my playthrough he still had it. So yeah, after that, if he, he has the gun, he you can't kill him. But if um if Chloe has the gun, as we can yeah, see, I didn't even think about that. With yeah. Chloe and guns. Yeah. But uh, so you get what happens if two guns? She doesn't have two guns. If she has David's gun and then Nathan's gun. I think that like, she never gives Nathan's gun. You no, know, she does. She does. When you when you beat up um when you beat up yeah, uh if you let Warren beat up Nathan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't gun. know that. I guess it I guess it's just like I don't know, then maybe she just that's just another way for her to have a gun. So it's like not like she has two guns. It just makes sure that she has a gun at that interaction. Probably. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so then after that, so you've gotten information from David in the garage, you've gotten it from uh, Nathan's dorm room, and you got it from Frank at the beach. So you go back to Chloe's house and you have like your investigation board and you kind of start putting the pieces together. And uh, this, I don't know, this part was kind of, it was a cool idea. I, I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily think it was executed well, but like I appreciated that they put it in here because you kind of get to play like the detective that you see on the TV shows where it's like, all right, I got these eight pieces of evidence. What three of these evidences pieces, you know, put this character at this point or whatever. But it's just kind of like all over the place because it's like, I don't know. At a certain point, it just like, there's no way to, figure out like she's max says okay i want to figure out this resolve this problem but like sometimes i i didn't remember what she said so then i didn't remember what i was looking for so then it ended up becoming like okay i just i'm just gonna pick three things until they match until i can progress and like the more things you pick wrong 
like I, I found this out later on because like I just don't know if it was well implemented on some of the information, but like if you picked enough things wrong, then she would start saying like I need to find this thing, and she would reiterate what she needs to find. But I, I didn't even experience that until I got to Frank's information. Uh, how did you guys feel about this puzzle, like the 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 crime evidence puzzle? Anyone? Um, I felt like, so like, I think there was some clever, like, I guess parts of it were kind of clever, but overall I was kind of, I was kind of lost at how she was trying to come up, come up with, with like ties to everything. And it just got to the point where I was just looking for just common things between each item and being like, okay, well, I'm just going to select these three and see if it works. And if it does, it does. That was pretty much how I started off doing it. I was just like, okay, well, I mean, I guess because I've already played through it, but even the first time, I was just kind of looking for common things, um, and a lot of times they didn't even match up. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it, because, like, there was, one, like, the David surveillance one, it was just like, we need to make sure we can pin this person at this time, and you know, at this location, and just like, I don't even know who they're like, who, which person are they talking about? And I didn't know, you know, and it's just very frustrating. I I thought it did a decent job of that because it, that one, I think the David one was the trickiest in my opinion, where I think you're trying to figure out like Nathan's um, operation because he had like his license plate and um, you had to cross check the, huh? The the light because the, there was two per person. So what you do is you have like the the basic information evidence, and then you owned it down to uh, more specific things. So like it was kind of like um, I think th- the first stage of his was more confusing. Yes, like, yes, the I one agree. where you had to find the I think you had to link like a photo of Kate at a vortex party or something. That one threw me. Yeah. But aside from that, I didn't like. Getting into Nathan's phone was a little weird, and I kind yeah. of forgot how I stumbled upon that one. Um, I thought that was kind of cool that that part of the puzzle. I I didn't end up finding out how to get into his phone. I so I ended up having to, to do the workaround on a SIM card to get in. Well, I thought how that was that only way you had to like because I didn't know that there was a correct pin. So I figured what it was was that you had to keep getting in incorrect pins and then. Use that PUK code, and then you can get into it that way. See, I never even knew about that. Um, it ends up being his birthday. Oh, okay. I didn't even know. Yeah, so like I, I, I ended up in that that code as well uh, to to get in the seven digit or whatever code. And um, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Like I, I, some aspects of it, and I, like I said, I appreciate that it was here. It was interesting. It was kind of out of nowhere because I wasn't expecting like. It seemed it seemed like leading up to this point, like you got evidence and then like you presented the evidence in a, like a conversation, you know, and then that was how evidence came about. And that's how you guys discuss things. But this was like you doing some new new. This things. was kind of like the culmination of everything you've done. Yeah. Up, yeah. As far as and, evidence goes. It, so it was interesting. I I, I think it was a little sloppy in his execution, but I appreciate that it was there and it was overall, it, it added to the experience more so than it detracted. Um, Did anybody like enjoy 
Frank's drug codes, everybody was like a different type of dog. And then you could see like Stella was like dash under, I don't know how you actually pronounce that. And then we a dog. Yeah. Then the, um, Nathan was rot and he's just like, Oh, all these people I've known throughout the game, they actually go through Frank to get their drugs. And I thought yeah. that was a cool way of kind of linking everybody back. Yeah. And plus his affinity for dogs or animals or whatever. Yeah. That was cool. Um, but just another example of them kind of all of the characters being components, like they're all interweaved essentially. They're not just a hundred percent revolving around max. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So then you go from you, you've basically you track down and you find out through all this investigation that, Oh, this is the location. Uh, I think what they end up saying is the day of the party at this time, Frank texted or uh, Nathan texted Frank for drugs. So at that point, in theory, Kate was under Nathan's control. So that means that based off the text correspondence, Frank delivered the drugs to this location. And you end up finding out, oh, it's some old Prescott barn. And uh, so you go to the barn, you do a little snooping around and... Um, you find you ultimately find a super creepy rape dungeon. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> like I don't really know how else to describe it. Some super creepy dungeon in the it's like super high it's like a fallout shelter almost because it has a pin code and like a super thick armored door. By the way, did anybody figure out how to get through the the door? I had to use a walker. Like the code. It, I didn't know which code all the was. buttons that are Constantly used. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. I just guessed. I just guessed, and then inevitably, like I got the right combination in. That was weird, but uh, yeah, it's like a it's like a fallout shelter. So he had like a super surplus of food in there, and um, she made the comment too that um, it was like non perishable food, and David had that in the garage at their house, so maybe. I was thinking, like, maybe David is in on this, too, or whatever. But uh, you, you get to kind of find out a little bit more about uh, Nathan's relationship with his father and, like, see how you know, he has a sister, and she seems nice. And then you see more of those creepy BDSM-style portraits that he has and his affinity for that stuff. And then you see this white... Uh, backdrop and a projector and a lot of expensive camera equipment and drugs. And then you realize, Oh, this is where, uh, this must be where Kate was. That's what I was thinking in my head when she said she was in a hospital room and it was all white. That immediately was like, Oh, this is where he took Kate. Um, but then you find a binder. It was really weird to me because when I was playing, I looked everywhere in that place, except for the cabinet that had the photos in it. So I'm like, all right, well, there's really not much here. I know I'm missing something, but, like, I mean, this dude's a creep, and, like, I need to get out of here. But, like, I guess this was it. Like, it just revealed to me that he's a creep. And then I, like, was walking, kind of trying to walk out, and I walked by that cabinet, and I was like, oh, I didn't open this cabinet. And I opened it, and then you see, like, all these binders of with girls' and names on the spines of your classmates, and you see Rachel's binder and it's pictures of Rachel and Nathan and Rachel just seems super drugged out. You see Kate pictures and then you find one with Victoria and Victoria's is empty. So then you come, you kind of put one and one together and it's like, okay, 
Victoria's next, so we need to warn her. But then Chloe is like, I know exactly where he took this picture with uh, Rachel, and there's no way that she would have posed with him like this. So we need to get to the um, junkyard ASAP because I know where that is. I need to find out. And um, yeah, it, it, she she gets in a, a very like a frenzy, and she's like, "We have to go. We have to go. We have to go." You know. And uh, you, you leave his rape dungeon, and you head to the junkyard, and she finds the spot, and then you dig, and you see. Like I don't even know. Like you see a little bit of hair. Is that what it is? I think it was I can't. clothes. Yeah, yeah, I think it was clothes. But you 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 start seeing some clothes, and then you're like, she's kind of like, no, no, no. And then you kind of like your character Max is just like, oh my god, the smell. And it's like, oh, it's a dead body. And then she just breaks down. Uh, Chloe just breaks down, and she just like falls, and like it. it it it's real. It was real. Like I, I, I was playing this game last night, and I got to that part. It was like midnight, and I was just like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> I can't do this right now. It's too late in the night, and I know I still got some more to go. So I ended up just turning it off and uh, just going to sleep. And then uh, I, I ended up playing from that part on today. So I got to yeah, I got to see that part again. But it's just like damn, like. I don't necessarily like Chloe, but like there was, I don't, I don't think at any point you could be like, oh, I hope Rachel is dead if you're playing this game, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it starts getting exceptionally dark once you get to that barn, and like you see the pictures of like Rachel and Chloe literally like bound with duct tape on their hands and legs, and then yeah. Kate's just there crying. While yeah. she's doing that, and she's also doped out, so she doesn't really, you know, know what's going on. And then, like, with this game, too, like, at the beginning of the game, you see all these posters saying, you know, Rachel's missing. And you're almost at the point where it's just like, okay, well, she's missing. Um, if she's been missing for that long, she's probably dead, but I'm sure she'll come up. But then throughout the episodes, especially three and four, it's kind of like you get invested in what happened to her. Like, you know, something weird happened. And so you you start to think that she's still alive. She's still out there somewhere. Yeah. Did anybody actually expect Kate to be, or I'm not Kate, Rachel to be dead? I did. No, nah, I didn't. I did just because, like, it, it, she disappeared so abruptly out of the lives of two people that supposedly really cared about her. So I, I don't think that based off the relationship actually honestly she disappeared out of everybody's life like she was like miss popular at their school it's like everybody was cool rachel and the fact that like the two people that were in theory the most close to her being um frank and chloe didn't hear about where she was going it led me to believe like i i thought there was no way that she wasn't that she was alive like it was just a matter of who did it it, to me, it was a matter of who did it. So, and um, yeah. So that, that part where you're at um, Chloe's house and you come downstairs and you're wearing Rachel's clothes and you're talking to Joyce. She actually mentioned something. Joyce mentioned something about Rachel wanting to move to like L.A. Yeah, yeah. She was supposed to move to uh, L.A. with um, 
Chloe. Well, no, even like without Chloe, like her, like Joyce mentioned something like she's, oh. prob- she's probably living in LA right now, living it up. Oh, yeah. Well. And also when you're talking like, or you're going through Frank's stuff, you see like her quote unquote breakup letter with him. And it kind of implies that she's just going to go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just, at no point did I think that she would have left those two without any resolution, you know, just up and leave. So I assumed that something had happened to her. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and uh, to be fair, I mean, we don't know it's Rachel. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, do you guys think that there's a possibility? Well, I guess, um, a couple of you already played there, so but um, I don't. I was thinking to myself, maybe like that's know, yeah, might like, be her. That's why I was asking you guys if it was her hair or whatever, because you don't explicitly see her face and like it's clothes, and it, it, it's been a like because of how season four or episode four ends. I'm like, I don't know what happened, so I just need to know. But like, part like I don't know, like uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, you find what's, what you assume to be Rachel's body. You like, you like, you don't explicitly see any face, hair, or Chloe's anything. pretty adamant about it, so. Chloe, yeah, Chloe's pretty adamant. And just the yeah. fact that there's a smell, so it's not like somebody just died there and then was buried or whatever. And like, I, they didn't say anything about the dirt being like freshly dug up or anything like that. So um we're led to believe that it's it's Rachel and it probably is Rachel. But um at that point she's like she's convinced that Nathan did it and she has to find him. So it just so happens that the Vortex Club is holding the end of the world party this day. So you guys get head to the um school and uh you um Oh, and by the way, another thing that they ended up pointing out, um, during the reaction scene where Chloe is crying and uh, Max is super sad, the camera pans out and then you see the the doe from the visions watching, uh, watching that scene unfold and it slowly fades out. So it's like a spirit animal or like a Patronus or whatever. And that at that point, I was thinking like, okay, I always thought that because of what the Sam conversation, Sam said his spirit animal is a squirrel. So Max said her spirit animal is a doe. And a doe has literally popped up in every single chapter or episode in this game. So maybe is the doe is what I was thinking. Rachel is that spirit animal. And because her and Chloe are so close, uh, because Chloe is so close to both Max and Rachel, maybe their personalities are very similar. And because the fact that in the alternative universe, Max is so basically, in my mind, she's basically Rachel, that maybe uh, they threw us off by all these hints that Rachel, or that uh, Max is a doe, that maybe it was Rachel being, like, from the other, the, the limbo or the other side, kind of giving her clues and leading her along to find these clues or something. I don't know. Cause I could I, definitely see that. Because all the instances that you see the doe 
that though is like leading her to find some information or some clue, you know? And yeah, that's a good thought. So I, I don't know. That was something I thought of. But then, like I said, they also throw you off because uh, Max makes the comment and uh, Rachel or in Chloe's house, there's a snow globe specifically with the dough in it. And that's been around since she was a kid. And it was even in the alternate universe. Uh, Chloe had a ton of snow globes, but she definitely had that, that dough one. And then the entire episode two of uh, um, the game, Chloe's or Max is wearing a shirt that has a deer on it the entire episode. So I think they're trying to throw you off to that fact, but I don't know if they played their, their cards revealed in this episode or we'll see in episode five. Cause I'm interested to see if there's any kind of payoff to that. Cause I've been paying close to that, paying close attention to that. But uh, yeah. So from there you go from the junkyard to the school uh, the sky has two moons in the. There's two moons in the sky, and so that's the uh, the freak, uh, weird time thing that's going on in this episode, and people are making comments about that. And uh, you basically the party is at the uh, the pool, the swimming pool that um you got stuck into. Um, I, I, like one thing before we get too far into it, did anybody? notice or maybe I'm I might be reading in this too far but there's like a part at the as soon as I get there where uh Chloe not Chloe but uh Max is talking to Warren and then like you can kind of tell he's drunk and then he asks for a picture at that moment and the thing that I was thinking was that okay so they did this in in case or at least what I was thinking was in the event that something goes too crazy in episode five they have this to go back to and be like oh well maybe she can go back into the photo of this and then change the outcome of what happens wait wait you said say that again you said that the, the photo that warren took who like uh, max go back into that photo yeah yeah so the, basically the only reason i even thought that they did that was so they had like a back door if something happened in you know in the present where they're like well she can go back into this photo if something gets too crazy i don't i don't never That's, i didn't even think yeah, about that pretty cool Cause I was like, cause in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what is the, is there any purpose of him taking a selfie with like drunk one right now? You know, like, so I was like, that's the only thing I could think of. It was really mad. It was mad weird to me. Like, it was just like, why is he even here? Like, why is this part like even in the game? It just was like a super awkward interaction. Like he's, well, like, I mean, he's, Warren's a super awkward guy. And I mean, he's obviously invested in Max, so. Yeah, him wanting I, to take a photo with her didn't really strike me as strange, you know. It seems kind of weird to me because, like, in, in movies, like, if your love interest or whatever shows any type of like, and maybe it's just the movies I've seen, but I'm thinking of like the Goonies and like even like Stranger Things. Like, if there's somebody you're interested in, like, if you're trying to solve a mystery, you bring that person with you. <laughs> and it seems like there's like two maybe three instances throughout this episode or this uh, game so far where it's like Warren is in the perfect opportunity to tag along with you and Chloe to help solve this particular aspect. And like, it's not necessarily like he doesn't necessarily need to know the entire story. Like dude will be down. Like you just ask him to help out and he'll help out. You don't have to give him the entire backstory, but they just kind of like, no, we don't need you right now. And it just is like super like opposite of anything I've ever watched. Like, 
Does that? Does anyone else think that's kind of weird? Or yeah, it seems like they brush him off every time he's asked for like you know to try and roll with them for anything. Yeah, it's like yo, I just beat I just beat Nathan's ass. All right, well lay low. Don't you know? Don't come out with us. Don't hang out with us. And it's like yo, I just protected you guys. Imagine all the other fools I can Hulk out on. It's like something. I, I think it's to kind of play into that trope of him being like the quote unquote nice guy, where it's like, oh, I'm expecting a payoff for um. I stood up for you here, so now you're going to go to the eight movie with me and blah blah blah. Uh, well, I don't know. It's just it just kind of it, it stands out to me because it's just like this is not necessarily how things would go in a movie or a TV show. It's interesting that this they're taking the opposite approach with it. And then, um, and then the fact that like Chloe, you know, was her her friend growing up, but then Warren is like her current best friend, but she decided to tell Chloe her that, you know, she had the rewind power. Exactly. And didn't tell Warren at all. Exactly. And you think about it too, where it's like, Chloe is the one that's basically manipulating and like exploiting her power for her own gain where Warren, he would think of the science approach and he would be one more likely to tell her not to use her power, you know? And then on top of that too, like Chloe is like the, the friend that you have to give her your undivided attention is like earlier in the game, you know, she was like, no, don't answer that phone call from Kate. It's not even that important. And she gives you crap for that. And it just seems like you're always blowing off and brushing off all these other friends, quote unquote, friends of yours to hang out with Chloe. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the developers thought about that and they were like, well, if Warren knew she had this power, he would be smart enough to tell her not to go around playing with Tom. No, I mean, from my perspective, at least, like if you look at, the text between Warren and Max, I never got the impression that they were like, quote unquote, tight like that, where Warren's like that dude that's like, hey, you want to hang out this weekend? Hey, you want to do this? And like for every five texts he'd send, Max would maybe send one. I mean, so I think it's kind of a one way relationship. He, he's definitely like super enthusiastic about it, but I think he's trying to like make her his girl. And I think she's just kind of like, she. She's because there's many times where like people make comments that you know Warren likes you, right? And then like she doesn't even like she kind of just brushes it off and blows it off. She doesn't necessarily say like, oh, well, I don't see him like that or anything like that. She doesn't even like mention it. And but then when I don't I don't remember, it's one of the side characters like Brooke or somebody else that also has like this girl's into science and she also has the thing for Warren, but she's kind of salty that Warren has a thing for. Max I mean, and that's actually a little bit later on in this episode. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's like kind of inconsequential, and it, it happens in other sections of this game too. I'm just just saying that, like, she's made mention that, hey, like, Warren likes you. What are you doing? <laughs> kind of, you know. Well, I I just don't think Max is into Warren. It's kind of like that thing where guys are insistent sometimes, and she's not. She essentially friend zoned him. Friend zoned him. Man. Or maybe canonically, she's into um, Chloe. Yeah, that could be true. Free Warren. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, um, anyway, so yeah, you, you have that weird interaction with Warren in the beginning when you get to the pool party. Then you get inside, and you essentially have to figure out a way to uh, get into the VIP section because presumably that's where all of the Vortex club members are in 
mainly being Nathan. But uh, like as soon as you get to the pool party, uh, Chloe dipped out on you. Like she didn't leave. She like got through before you, and you don't know where she is. So your like your main objective is to find Nathan, but then you're also uh, also looking for uh, Chloe, and um, you end up talking to people and finagling yourself into being able to get to the VIP section or sneaking around to the VIP section, however you get in. And um, you end up talking to a bunch of the higher up Vortex Club members. And this is where you, uh, you have the opportunity to talk to Victoria. And at this point, you know that whoever's um, uh, that, that binder uh, with Victoria's name on it, that's empty you're under the assumption that Victoria is the next victim. So you kind of, you talk to Victoria and this is your opportunity to make a decision and you're able to warn her or you cannot warn her. What did you guys offer to do? Actually, how did your conversation play out with Victoria? And then what did you, op- what did you opt to do? So I had been generally nice to Victoria up into this point. So like she remembered the paint bucket thing way back in episode one. And, um, that was weeks ago, (laughs) (laughs) days ago. But, um, yeah, it was, she's like, Oh, I remember that. And you called my art avant-garde esque or something like that, or Avondale esque. I can't remember. So she ended up believing me because I was kind of insistent, like, Hey, I know Nathan's your friend, but this dude has some serious issues and she even acknowledges, like, yeah, he's kind of been acting especially, like, strange over the past couple days. What'd you do, Greg? Um, yeah, I told her about Nathan, and then she believed me. And it, it was the same thing as, uh, like, because I had, um, what was the paint bucket decision again? The uh, Pop to get her dirty or not, or take the picture or yeah, yeah, yeah. show remorse. Yeah, so showed remorse about that, and then same thing is you know I complimented her on her art, on her uh, photography, and uh, yeah, she actually believed me. So, boo! Come on, Trevor, pull through, boy. <laughs> well, I didn't warn Victoria, bruh. My ninja, <laughs> <laughs> dude. So like, I, at first I was like, all right, let me let me let me warn her, you know. And then, like, I, I actually, like, I, I've been mean to Victoria the entire game. So, like, <laughs> when we had this conversation, I was being nice to her and everything and, like, complimenting her and blah, blah, blah. And then I warned her. And then she came at me like, he wouldn't do that to me and all this stuff. So she didn't believe me. So I was like, you know what? Let me hit this rewind. And I hit this rewind. And I, like, like I just did all the bad, like, your art sucks you're dumb, you know, all that stuff. And I didn't warn her and I felt good. I felt real good. <laughs> I don't really like Victoria as a, like, you're not, so, I don't think you're supposed to like her character, no. but like, it, it was very like, I don't know, like. Normally people you don't like, you don't wish death upon them. That, yeah. Like, like, yo, I'm, if I'm telling you to be careful around this dude, I'm doing it because I legitimately not necessarily care, but I don't want you to get hurt. And if you don't believe me, then all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, 
after that interaction that you have with Victoria, Chloe pops up and um, uh, you, she's like, yo, let's uh, leave this party or whatever. And um, then you see Mr. Jefferson. And I wrote down, Mr. Jefferson is a creep because this is like a high school yeah. party. It's a high school party. And he just kind of shows up out of nowhere. I'm like, what the heck is this dude doing here? And then you come to find out, which I think is also stupid, because not everybody that's at the school would be at this party, but he's announcing the winner of the Everyday Heroes photo contest that they basically have been submitting photos for all week. Um, Max hasn't submitted a photo, so um, yeah, yeah. I don't know why she, she ends up sticking around, but she does, and, which is also weird to me because, like, Chloe doesn't go to the school and Max didn't uh, submit a photo. Why are they sticking around to hear the the uh, announcement? Who won? But um, he ends up announcing the winner, and low-key, at first, I thought I wrote down Nathan will win the photo contest, which will be, like, a his money bought him that win, even though, like, He's not at the school anymore, but it ended up being Victoria wins. And she ends up going up on stage and like she's like, first of all, uh, this win is for Kate Marsh. And it was like, I wrote, Victoria is so phony. <laughs> <laughs> she like this girl that she completely tormented her and like like, you know, bullied her. And like, I don't even know if she really had a change of heart. It just seemed like an opportun- opportunistic ability to like bring this girl up while also trying to appear like she had no impact on this girl being like suicidal. Like, and I know I, she- I don't want to die on this hill of defending Victoria, but it did seem like she had a change of heart because, like, I know she wrote that letter. Break- she wrote the letter. If you go into her room and like look at her emails, she was writing like one of her friends and she's like, Oh my God, my hands are shaking. I can't believe I actually like almost drove somebody to do this. Kate was actually like a really good person, blah, blah, blah. Like when you break into her laptop. If you go the negative route in the conversation with Victoria, you bring out the fact that Victoria was actually filming Kate on the top of the rooftop. So instead of helping, she was filming her. So basically human trash. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fair. so I, I just was like super like this is an opportunity to like bring up this thing that everybody's like it's on everybody's mind and just let's let's forget about my you know like sh- shady past with this character you know and i don't know i just didn't really care for it but anyways like you leave the party and i think it's it's one of your two phones i want to say it's chloe's phone she gets a text from Nathan Prescott's phone, right? Yeah. And it pretty much says, uh, what are the There's not going to be anything left of the body or evidence. Yeah, yeah. So she's like, oh no, he's he's at the junkyard. And, you know, he realized we were there. So she like, she whips out her gun and you guys drive over to the, the junkyard and you're, you have your cell phone light or your, your cell phone has a flashlight and she has the gun out and you're trying to like, sneak around and um, figure out like where this dude is at because you don't want him to get the, the jump on you because he's presumably armed and dangerous and um, you get to the spot where you found the body and a hand injects uh, Max in the back of the neck with some type of with a syringe and some type of 
thing that basically paralyzes her. She she tries to raise her hand up to like rewind, but she can't. And then the person shoots like you you kind of let out like a weak like Chloe watch out and Chloe turns around and she gets busted in the forehead with the uh, she gets shot in the forehead um, by a pistol and you see her fall down and like she's just you know a puddle of blood and um, Chloe is or Max is looking up and she's trying to figure out who did it and the person steps into the frame and who is it? Who is it? It's freaking Mr. Jefferson. Mm, Mr. Jefferson. Oh my god. Oh my god. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? So, yeah. um, uh, Like, I didn't, like, had we had we not played this episode yet, I would have said, yeah, the 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 third episode is the best cliffhanger I've ever seen. But like after I play this episode, it has to be episode four, dude. This cliffhanger is like I just like I don't know. I, I need to know. Like I need to know. <laughs> did did anybody see that coming? Like I, I don't I don't ever think so. ever like even include your, your first playthrough. Did either of you guys see this? No, the game actually started convincing me it was all Nathan. I had feelings about Mr. Jefferson early on where I didn't 100% trust him. I didn't see this coming. But, like, I mean, both playthroughs, I did report that dude to I mean, like, well. even, even, like, because they do a, such a good job of, like, and, I, and I'm not to say that I don't think it's still, like, he doesn't have something to do with it, but, like, Nathan... When you go into his rape dungeon, he has a message from his father saying, like, I know you deal with some of the things that I've dealt with, you know? And, like, I kind of, I saw a, um, it's kind of, kind of relevant, but, um, the Sandusky, uh, the, I don't know if you guys watch any sports stuff. Yeah. But like the Sandusky, the the he was like assistant football coach for Joe Paterno at Penn State for a long ass time, and like a couple years ago, he got convicted of like child molestation and like sexual assault stuff. And he's like a seventy year old man, and he got like sixty years in a max uh, security prison. Like, and that was like two years ago, and then it just come to light that his son, who's like forty, got just got um charged as guilty <laughs> guilty like a couple days ago of 13 or 14 counts of the same thing and all the articles I see is like father like son and then like I was like because I had just read that I was thinking like if it's not Nathan maybe it's his dad you know like but then I was like well like he's not like a character that you've even run into so like you it would be really weird to like introduce a new character yeah, I would have been upset at that outcome. Yeah, like, so, like, low-key, I was kind of, if it was anybody that wasn't Nathan, the only other person I would have guessed was Sam, just because I thought, I think Sam's still, like, a weirdo. You know? Yeah, but he wasn't, you know. Yeah, like, there was, but, I mean, there's no reason for it to be Mr. Jefferson, though, to me. Like, like I mean, they kind of Scooby-Doo-ismed. Yeah, yeah, and, like, 
yeah, and, and and now I'm thinking like, so does Mr. Jefferson have access to the rape dungeon? Does Mr. Jefferson like know about like did, did he plan these things out with Nathan? Like does Nathan drug the pictures? I think that's the thing that like what happens because like I, I don't know like huh, like like I really wanted to like keep playing after this, but I was like, man, I need to like stop and you know we just. Sit on this, and you know. But so like, does does everybody think that he's in it with Nathan, or is it like he might have just taken Nathan's phone? Or there's no way he would have shot Chloe then, in my mind. Yeah, he pulled. Like I mean, like I, I thought maybe he maybe took the he took the phone or whatever. Actually, yeah. Like how did he get like the how did brings up a lot of questions. Didn't they there's have a lot of good questions phone? that me and Trevor can't. <laughs> elaborate upon. Didn't they have Nathan's phone at Chloe's house? Oh, well, that was his like yeah. drug phone. Oh, okay. uh, his like burner. Him. His burner. Yeah. Actually, why would why would why would Chloe have Nathan's number? <laughs> they ain't friends. <laughs> because remember the drug deal at the very beginning of the game, like that whole setup. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, I don't know, dude. It's just like. I, I'm excited to play the last episode, and I'm I'm glad that it wasn't like you know I'm playing this when it first came out, and I have to wait like a month or however long. I'm glad I can kind of just pick these up and play them at my leisure. But like I would have been so pissed to have to wait <laughs> between episode four and five. Yeah, I would have been tight. See, like just the way I consume episodic content, most of the time, like I'll buy it after all the episodes come out, but I'll still do like a mandatory, like couple week break between it just so I can kind of stew on it for a little bit. I'm weird. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, every episode of game I've ever played, like uh Sam, well, every episode of game, the only other one that like I played that was released this way was um the walking dead, the first one. And I think when I played it, the first two were out and then I had to wait. And that was, I think that was before they got really bad about taking more than a month. But like, I can't imagine, like, I don't know, dude. I, I can't do it. <laughs> I need I need them all out. I need them all out. Because like, when they got a cliffhanger like this, I just, man, I just need to play, you know? I need to see. I can't, I can't sit here and even though they do a good job of like last time on or, you know, like catching you back up because like they recognize that there are going to be some people that won't remember, but it's just like, man, like I just want to hop back in because that was, I did not see that coming. I, I, every, well, I guess I've only played a few other like adventure games, but like um, the only time I ever played like along with the schedule was like Tales of Borderlands, but that wasn't like a super like engrossing story or whatever. So like it, it didn't really bug me having to wait. But yeah, I w- like it being in this situation with these type of cliffhangers, I would have been a little little upset. And I, dude, it's just like honestly too. I'm just like how episode three was such a good cliffhanger and then like we were saying like that's such a good cliffhanger and I'm just like but episode four though? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah for real. (laughs) Mr. Jefferson. And the junkyard with the revolver. (laughs) 
Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, so so we're left off basically. Um, Chloe is dead, <laughs> I guess. Maybe. Uh, we're not a hundred percent sure. Like here at this table, you know, this discussion, we're not a hundred percent sure that it's actually Rachel in the grave. But I think most of, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's her. But I, I, I would believe if it was some somebody else, you know. Um, and Max has been drugged. Uh, she's been injected with something. I'm assuming that she's going to be. So do we want to go into like the new episode preview at all? Just like the little like five, 10 second clip they give you. I don't even, uh, what was the episode preview? Did I miss it? I I thought you just see like her kind of coming to and she's in the rape room. I mean, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm assuming that Mr. Jefferson and Nathan are working together. So I think that Mr. Jefferson, it's, it's his photos and Nathan is the one that drugs them and poses them and all that stuff. So he's the one that scores the drugs. And I'm assuming Mr. Jefferson is the one that snaps the photos. That's my assumption. Greg, you're the only other virgin mind here. So, um, I don't know. I'm still kind of like, I I don't really know what to think at this point. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm left with like, I guess more questions and like even thoughts about what it really could be. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. And I guess the other thing that is of note is, I guess this is one day before the tornado is scheduled to hit at this point. Uh, I I completely even forgot about. Yeah. Like, like that's, if you think about it, it's, it's kind of interesting slash crazy because it's like the main crux, like issue at the very beginning of this game is the tornado, but then it becomes secondary to figuring out what's wrong with Kate, then figuring out where Rachel is. Then, uh, you know, like now we got to find Nathan or, you know, all this stuff. And then it's like, and then all that is happening on the backdrop of all this weather stuff that you're supposed to stop from happening. And like, like literally, like I said, like when you have that conversation with Sam and Miss Grant, and episode four, that's like really the first time you actually talk to somebody about the weather. I mean, you you mentioned it to some of the diners at uh, the the two whales, some of the people in town, the, the crazy homeless lady, you know, or, you know, homeless lady. But like, nobody really had like nobody really has any information for you, and like <laughs> you're like some girl that's supposed to stop all this stuff, all that, in addition to you know, your friend's friend being missing, your friend now potentially being dead and having just saved another friend from uh, suicide. Or in your case, you have no friend. All your friends are dead. (laughs) 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 Actually, yeah, maybe Warren will be that dude in episode five. Maybe it's going to be you and Warren. Well, actually, it wouldn't even be Warren uh, because you have to get out the rape dungeon first. So... You won't even know you're there because you haven't told them because you haven't followed protocol of when you go on adventures, you always tell you the person that you're interested in or that's interested in you just in case. Damn. She's screwed. Just a yeah. It's question. a pretty bleak picture. They paint. I don't, I don't know if I missed this in this episode, but um, were you able to save Alyssa 
I think it was Alyssa that you. Said yeah, that yeah. <laughs> it's she. There's a. I, I looked it up. I turned my PlayStation Four off, but there's a section in every episode thus far of Save Alyssa. <laughs> I, I missed it in this episode. I've been trying to make it a point to save her in every episode, but I missed it in this one. Yeah, do I you know what it her. is? Where was it? It's at the Vortex party. Like these people were swinging around those little foam things you use in pools. Pool noodles. And uh, one knocks her in. Yeah, the noodles. And one of them knocks her in. She sounds... Her voice actor, actor whoever did her voice, sounds really weird. <laughs> All Thanks, right. Max. Yeah, right? Save me again. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess that, uh, that concludes our second part, uh, this discussion of episodes three and four. Uh, we have... Our third part and final part for this Life of Strange saga, I guess you can call it, um, that will be the fifth and final episode of this game. And I guess we'll talk a little bit about the prequel that is being... Is it is it complete now or... No, just the first episode is out. So th- I think we mentioned earlier, or maybe, maybe not, but there's supposedly only three episodes in the uh, prequel. It's not going to be the five like this one. So uh, the first one is out, and I think it will still be the only episode out by the time we do our next, our third part, right? you know when the second part is coming out? Uh, I want to say November, maybe. Oh, yeah, we got time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that only the first episode of the prequel will be out by the time we release the third part of this so we'll, I guess, briefly cover that and just, I, I don't necessarily, we don't necessarily have to play it and just kind of talk about like what it sets up and like what yeah, the story is. Yeah, I think is. we were like, it was most of like a, was it a prediction cast that we were going to do or like theory cast? Kind of like what we did with Beyond Good and Evil? Yeah, just kind of like a for funsies uh, discussion on, because I mean, they're, there'd be no way we could like talk about it in like with any concrete evidence. If there's only one episode out, because like things change so much in episode to episode. So who knows? Yeah. So, uh, I guess with that, did we get any emails or did we get any questions? Do you know, Greg? Uh, let me check real quick. I need to, <laughs> I always forget about it too. Like, I, miss, oh, wow. I guess means that we haven't, or we can assume we haven't. So, uh, I would, uh, I would assume we haven't. Yeah. No, yeah, we haven't. Okay. And so, uh, I guess, um, Trevor, do you want to handle the plug since you were the one that said we forgot some last time? Handle what now? <laughs> the plugs, man, the plugs. Oh, um, yeah, I can go on ahead and, and give mine. You're talking about like our Twitter. <laughs> I talk about for, <laughs> I'm talking about for Miss Checkpoints for just the podcast, the podcast plugs. You said we missed them last time, so I want to make sure that we cover them all. Oh, I was talking about like our Twitter handles and stuff. Oh, okay. I thought you were. Okay. So, again, uh, Facebook, our uh, Facebook.com slash Miss Checkpoints. That's the uh, page, the the Facebook uh, podcast page. So if you have any questions, you can uh, direct them there, or you can send an email to mischeckpoints at gmail.com. We are on SoundCloud, mischeckpoints, as well as 
uh, uh, iTunes. And are we on Google Play yet? Google Podcast was a... still under review. Still under review, but you can definitely check us out on both SoundCloud and iTunes. And the other one will be in the works. So, um, but we got, you know, um, those two right now. And then go ahead and plug your your Twitter page and your Facebook page and all that, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only reason I mention is because I, I worked so hard to to get mine back up. But you can find me on Twitter. It is Trev.0. Trev.0 is in, like, literally spelling out the word point or? Yes. The word point is spelled out. Gotcha. All right. Um, you can find. Oh, go ahead. You, your turn, uh, Greg. Uh, you can follow me at, on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, Facebook is probably the same thing. I think it's facebook.com slash Boombox Hero. Uh, Twitch, I'm usually streaming uh, every week. So you can follow me at XDRD Magnegro X. And I think that's it. Dante. Twitch.tv slash is it Twitch TV or Twitch? I asked this last time. Yeah, Twitch.tv Twitch.tv slash Awaken Cloud slash Kofifi. No, I'm just making that part up. Um, you can find me on Twitter at p zero t a t zero underscore five a l a d. Uh, potato salad, basically. Um, just uh, I'm the basically. guy. That, yeah, basically. And then same thing uh, with uh, Facebook, just no underscore. So just potato salad, same way. The zeros are O's and the five is an S. Or excuse me, the S is a five. Uh, And that should be it, right? Um, Did we miss any, Trevor, since you're keeping up with this? (laughs) I think we're good. Wait, did we get that um, global warming count or climate change count? Oh, yeah, my bad. Um, Episode three, there were two mentions of climate change, and they did not say the words. They did not utter the words climate change in episode four, though they did make some uh, references to it. They did not explicitly say climate change, which is yeah, really weird. Those beach whales. <laughs> exactly. It's really weird that, like, that's, like, the one thing that, like, I, I think that, like, if any any point you can mention it, it should be at that point. <laughs> So I don't know. What's that? Like six counts so far? Let's see. Is really More than re- the current administration. Yeah, I'm not. Right? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they mentioned it twice in episode one. They called. They said global. War- okay. So global warming twice in episode one. Global warming once in episode two. And climate change once in episode two. Then they said climate change twice in episode three. So they went from global warming to climate change. Which is also kind of interesting because it was in 2013. This is when this game takes place. So I don't know when the, the vernacular changed and they stopped referring it to global warming and started using climate change. But whatever, that's not my job. But uh, yeah, is, is, are we good? We good? We got all the plugs in? We got no questions yet? Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully we'll yeah, start getting some yeah. questions in. I guess with that, then. Um, I got a question. Go ahead. Are we done? <laughs> what is it? Is we finished or is we done? 
All right, yeah, we'll wrap it up then. Uh, we, yeah, so uh, I guess with that, uh, I'm Marcus with the homies Dante, Trevor, and Ray, and we out. Peace. <laughs>